listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Live, live from the Toad Hop Network studios in Hollywood. This, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com, the best in the world. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. It's the Craig Shoemaker Show with Craig Shoemaker, Sarah Sweet, and Joel Geist. Adam Carolla is now walking in. See, Thomas Howell is here. And we're here with Chris Harrison, the host of Bachelor Bachelorette. Hey, kids, stick around. we got a great show coming up for you. Chris Harrison's here today. <laughs> Kevin Crona is with us from REO Speedwagon. We have Brian Phelps is here. And we also have Jill Whelan. Tom Bergeron is our special guest. Coming up with Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> Dr. Drew hey. came in early. I love it. You're in here at the right time. Alonzo Bowden is our special guest. And Rondell Sheridan. That's Grant Shaw, by the way. This is a wonderful life. You're laughing it off with the Craig Shoemaker Show. Don't forget to visit our website, craigshoemakershow.com. It is radio worth watching today. It is. Because not only is the beautiful Sarah Sweet here, but she is, <laughs> she's gone up in rank. She has a puppy in her hands. Oh, my God. We should put this on so you. So if you were a nine before, now you're an 11. Yeah. Oh, okay? Because you have a puppy. Look, it's MacGyver. This is Johnny's puppy. Does, uh, does the puppy thing work uh, with females? Does that... Uh, Maybe if uh, I was naked. <laughs> we get a lot of it. That is a beautiful so little cute. puppy. From, yeah, Johnny from Toad Hop Network uh, has a, a new puppy. Oh, oh wow! Just gave you a kiss on the lips. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you didn't look like you did. I didn't see you throw the tongue for Frenchie. <laughs> no. But right. uh, that's a beautiful little uh, uh, Maltese, and uh, I feel like I'm doing one of those uh, shows. Uh, wait, wait. We have um, Sarah Sweet is in from the SPCA. And uh, tell us about your dog that you're trying to uh, give away here, Sarah, before Johnny takes it. I'm going to keep him, take him home, put him in my trunk. That is beautiful. I would let him sit up in front. Does the puppy thing work for females, though? Is it it an attraction uh, to a guy? Is a guy going to come up to you and start talking about the puppy? Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's like, I don't even know if you can see past the cute puppy to the guy, <laughs> where it's like, give me that puppy. <laughs> like, no, but it's it's, not- it's an icebreaker. I used to walk the dog in the dog park, and let me tell you something. I can tell you Johnny is nodding his head right now. <laughs> I think he, I think about 10 minutes after getting the dog, he got laid. And Johnny has, like, <laughs> Johnny has a lot of cologne on. Like, he really? wears cologne, and so now the dog smells like him, too. Like, and that, see, it's a good cologne. Women but can smell that stuff. Yeah, but it's like, oh, it's so nice right now. There's really? so many endorphins just by cuddling, <laughs> being released. Like, it is wonderful. You, you <laughs> literally <laughs> are having a close to an orgasm right now. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Can I just hold on? Oh, You're talking no. about endo- uh, Wow, Sarah, that's, that's wish, a little personal. I wish it was that easy. That's what it's <laughs> I, wish. Yeah. I wish it didn't take 45 Folks, minutes if you're listening, when in doubt, in the bedroom, bring in the puppy. Bring in the puppy. A puppy with cologne would be nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Johnny took the puppy away from you. Oh, but, my God. You've ever had a dog, Sarah? Sarah Sweet? Yeah, I've had a few. I've had a, I've, I, we grew up with Siberian Huskies for some reasons. My mom. No, I mean, as, a, as an adult, have oh, you had one personally? No way. No. Too much responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I, I ask that because a lot of single people can't have a dog. I mean, it's, it really, it just takes over your life. When we had a, uh, when I was married to my ex-wife, we had um, a house that was very, very uh, feminized. It looked like uh, Martha Stewart threw up in our house. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's the kind of place that she had. You know, it was everything was flowers and frilly and doilies and dust ruffles, which I didn't even know what that was. I know what a dust ruffle is now. What is it? It's a thing that you can, uh, it goes on your bed. 
Yeah. It goes on the bottom. Yeah. And I don't know what dust it's ruffling. I have no idea where they came up with this, but it's yeah. basically that thing that hangs down so that you can't see under the bed. Oh, a bed skirt. Oh, a skirt, a bed skirt. Yeah. Well, what I know it is is that's a great place to hide stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what a dust ruffle is for me. I just as soon as I have to clean the room, whoop, it goes under there. Then I like the dust ruffle. But our place was very feminized. And I said to Justin one day, my young son at the time, I said, we need to get a dog in here, like a real dog, yeah. like a man dog. Yeah, what's a man to dog? To balance this, about, you know, something with like big, giant, floppy ball sack. Oh, you know what I mean? You know, like it's dragging on the ground, kind of like. Something that can know. kill the neighbor kid if it pisses him <laughs> off. Exactly. Yeah. Something like. You know, like like a nutsack, like the, the guys from Cocoon. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like dragging, you know, like stepping on it, that kind of that thing. That could literally wipe its testosterone all over the house. Yeah, it's, it's it's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, come on, okay. wipe some. Because uh, I was completely dominated in that house in that marriage. So I said, we need to get. <laughs> I said, we need to get a dog in here, okay, yeah. to, to butch things up. So I waited till she was scrapbooking. Uh, she was my wife at the time, and she loved scrapbooking. Mm -hmm. And my theory on why is they they use these little these little um, guillotines to chop things. <laughs> and I think that I think that all these women get together and just imagine what their man's penis would be like inside of this guillotine that they're yeah. that they're chopping photos and and they they make all these scrapbooks and they even have scrapbook clubs and. And there are places that are dedicated. There's stores that are dedicated to scrapbooking. What a snooze fest! Uh, well, they they. I, and by the way, I stopped by one time to get her, and all of the women stopped what they were doing to look at me with this disdain. Like, how did he get in here? Like, I needed to be like a CIA operative and have the right, uh, you know, key code to get in. Yeah. And how did he sneak past? Like, I was. I'm just, I'm just here to pick her up. You know, I had to defend myself. So. <laughs> so she was, she, you knew that, she, I knew she'd be gone for five, six hours, because they really do dedicate oh a lot of time God. to this. So I said, Justin, now's the time. Well, let's go rescue a dog. Because oh I wanted God. to rescue a dog. Oh, what a nightmare. This is a true story, you too. Pretend so, like you just found it someplace. Was well, it <laughs> followed us home. <laughs> 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 they do one of those. It becomes Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I love when you do that. I know. <laughs> That's, so That's me. That was me in most of that marriage. So uh, anyway, I uh, I took Justin, who was really young at the time, and I said, let's go. Let's go rescue a dog so we'll feel good about ourselves. So we go out to Van Nuys. We drive out. And I said, Justin, this is like a casting call. And these dogs are lined up. They're lined up like they're auditioning. It's like, get me out of here. Bust me out of here, yeah. dude. So they're all you know get the you know got the puppy that comes up and he's the warm and cuddly one. Of course. Then you get the you know the big dogs you know the, if you want to go have a fetcher you know you can have a fetcher. You know a lot of guys like that go get me yeah. something you know and you're, you're actually imagining things like you know my wife will never fetch me anything maybe this dog will bring me a beverage. <laughs> yeah, sure. If you could train him how to do a beverage without spillage that would be genius. Yeah. So uh, you got your fetchers and you got your big dogs your little dogs. I said to Justin he goes what kind of dog you know. I go, we're looking for a big nutsack. Yeah. I'm looking for a male dog. No female dogs. That's out. We have too much feminine in our house. Mm -hmm. We need testosterone. He has no, no idea what I'm talking about. He's six at the time. So I said, I said, where? And then all of a sudden, this dog appears. He comes to the front of the cage. Here, I'm your guy. I am your guy. Check me out. I got nutsack. I I drool. I'm your guy. I'm a perfect dog for you. He was like, he was like just auditioning for us, and he passed the audition. I said, Justin, that's our dog. What kind of dog was it? It was a mix. A mix. It was a mix of something. I love mutts. They're the best. Oh, it was a mutt. He was like, I always think that mutts are smarter, too, because uh, 
they're not as good looking as the purebreds. So they, <laughs> so they have more time to study. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, 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 they become, you know, more intelligent and worldly if they're, if they're a mutt. That's my theory anyway, and I'm sticking to it. They don't have papers. The only papers they have are what they pee on. So yeah. that, that basically, this is a dog without papers. He's a mutt, and he's got some retriever kind of like in him. Immigrants, he's got, yeah, immigrants. exactly. Yeah, they have to work a little harder. Yeah, they work hard. You got to do get... the jobs nobody else wants to do. Yeah, you got to work on that passport, on the phony passport. Yeah. Or, you know, have to have connections. Whatever it is, you you are be you know you have to become more worldly when you're. And plus, he's a he's he's a stray or a rescue. He's in this cage with all these animals. And by the way, I had no idea about this. This is what you get when you get a rescue. People don't really analyze this enough. I had to find out the hard way. <laughs> what? The dogs are crazier when they're in these pounds. The longer they're in there, can you imagine this? You talk about sleep deprivation. All night long, they are. <laughs> oh, man. And you can't, you know, as a dog, you're not going to go, hey, you in two cages away, shut it down. Would you turn the music down? Yeah. So you're hearing this incessantly your whole night. So you go crazy. Oh, wow. So a lot of these dogs are nuts. It's like prison. It's They're in yeah, prison. Yeah. Or little Auschwitz. Yeah. Or, yeah, concentration. Without yeah. the ovens. But, I mean. <laughs> but they're headed for death. I mean, that is true. Get, uh, that is, yeah, think of it, you're right. So, but they don't know. Well, this one, yeah, he's on death row. And the longer they're in there, the more, the sooner they're going to be put to sleep. Yeah. So, which is the nice way our moms all tell us that they're going to kill this dog. So, yeah. Anyway, so I see this dog, and, I, and then we played with him in the yard a little bit, and he was fine with Justin. You know, it was five at the time. So we take him home, <laughs> and he loves the house. I mean, he's just like, we have a lawn, and he's like running, and he's fetching. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love the fetching. He got a ball for me. I'm going, this is my dream dog. This is great. And also, it, it like would take me away from like having to listen, you know, to, to the more complaining and yelling at me. You know, like this is my dog now. And plus, I had no say with the children. I'm just an idiot when it comes to, you know, apparently uh, to raising children. So now this would be my dog. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I feel good. I rescue this thing. You know, he's on death row. You know, so everything's good about this until... She walks in. Oh, shoot. So now, what do you think the reaction was? Angry that there was no input? You know, it wasn't like, you know, look, honey. You know, I didn't go with the lie, Joel, of, you know, look what followed me home. I couldn't think that fast. Because I was in my own rescue situation. Yeah. I was in my own prison at the time. You, you can't think. You related to this you dog. Can, exactly. I yeah. related to this dog. I was like, I want to be free, too, my brother. Yeah. He was my brother. Yeah. yeah. I felt like Andy Dufresne. From Shawshank. <laughs> in 1966, yeah. Craig Shoemaker left Shawshank prison wearing nothing but a set of mother prison clothes on a rock hammer and they wound down to the nose. That's like Morgan Freeman. That is Morgan Love Freeman. Master. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the mutt. You Thanks were, for, you're doing a mutt. Well, I was doing Morgan Freeman as a mutt, and now all of a sudden it's turned into a love master. But anyway, whatever it is. It's both. Impressionists always love when you analyze their impression, by the way. Yeah. When you dissect it, yeah, a little bit of Barney Fife in there, too, Craig. Anyway, so I take the – so now she walks in, puts her scrapbook stuff down. You know, big rough day at the scrapbooking. Oh, no. You're right. And she says, what's this dog doing here? And she goes, oh, is he neutered? And I'm going, neutered? Who you? Yes. So she takes – no, he was not. She takes him right to the vet, right? Oh. Two minutes after she pets him, takes him two, right to the vet, gets his nuts cut off. And the dog walked out going, this is a rescue. <laughs> frankly, I'd rather be on death row. Look at my own nuts, thank you. I had no choice in this matter. I thought they had to neuter dogs at no, the pound. No, they didn't. 
it stayed they did. them, I thought. Well, no, this one, no, they oh. said as is. You know, just, <laughs> as is you know, it's, 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 yeah. Take it as is. It's like a, a car or whatever. You know, hey, look, it's got a bad carburetor. You can go fix it. But, yeah, I had to go fix. Uh, so the dog was two minutes after meeting us, loved us, and then she comes in. Can you imagine that? You just meet these new people. You think, I have a great life now. Wait a minute. I had balls three minutes ago. Yeah. Are they gone when they get chopped off? Well, I took the balls and I put them in a jar and I Shut put them. Up. I put them on the mantle next to mine. What? That's <laughs> that was uh, that was where I, I put the uh, yeah, the testicles. I put they, them in a little formaldehyde. Are they gone? Put, like so they couldn't drag around your house anymore? I don't know. The balls, yes. There were no. It wasn't as much droopage going on. And I mean, he's still a boy and all that, but now he's not horny anymore. You know, yeah. so. Uh, Anyway, got rid of him, too. All of our dogs never made it. Why? 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 Where'd they go? Why? Eh, She she had a reason, you know. The the reason when you're dealing with someone of this ilk is never the actual logical. You can't take it down a logical place. Yeah. If you back it up with people of this ilk, it's usually they are offended that they were not in control. And it was your decision. And you didn't include them in the decision. And then it becomes you're an abuser and, da, 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 and all that stuff. And then that's what it, the bottom line is. Now, there'll, there'll be some given reason. Make any sense. <laughs> what, how does it, well, of course it doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, I, was, I, I would understand she took it away because, like, you were happy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, Craig can't be happy. And guess what? That's a threat. Yeah. That's a threat. Wait a minute. I'm not in control. I'm in yeah. control of when he's happy here. Yeah. I'll let him know when I have, I, he can have vagina. I will let him know. <laughs> What a mind fuck. Like, I don't, like, that makes no sense to me, somebody that's. Well, like that. I was actually thinking about bringing this up on the air because I have been dealing with, in the last 48 hours, a very strange uh, set of events oh. that, have, that have actually made me very uh, happy that something transpired. That uh, I just finished, uh, I stopped on the way here. Here's what happened an old friend of mine mm-hmm. has a son, uh, a young son, uh, you know, early 20s, who has a drug problem. And his drug problem has now turned into crack. So you have, and this goes out to, by the way, our guest that's coming up is a real authority on this because he's actually a drug counselor. Oh, wow. And he's a very uh, famous uh, songwriter, probably one of the top three songwriters of all time, uh, Paul Williams. Paul Williams is our guest, and I'm so excited to have him in here because he will offer his perspective on uh, drug and alcohol addiction and. I, he's in a documentary right now. We'll talk about that, that I've been watching. It's called Still Alive. But Paul Williams is coming up. And this guy was so huge in the 70s. I know a lot of people don't know him now, but uh, you know his, his songs. Well, uh, well uh, Muppets, uh, you know, Rainbow Connection. Oh, yeah. Why are there so many songs about And Rainy Days and Mondays, always getting close to you. And all Evergreen. the Carpenters. Evergreen. Wow. I mean, he has a ton and ton of hits. That's incredible. And uh, he's an amazing man, too. And that's why he's coming in here and he's going to share some of his Stuff and and maybe even a, a little bit about what I'm talking about. So, my son's uh, my my friend's son is in bad shape, and mm-hmm. he's been in bad shape for years. And I get this call, and I talk, I'm talking to him. I'm going, I, I, I go, I got this, and I called Dr. Drew, oh, and wow. I got cool. a little uh, consultation with pulled Dr. Drew. Guns, yeah, I pulled out the big gun. Yeah, yeah. I was like, and this is back. You know, they're back in Philly. Literally, he has giant guns. He does have some guns. <laughs> on. The he Silver Fox out. has got some guns. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mess with the silver fox <laughs> once he takes those glasses off. So I called Dr. Drew, and I talked to him about actually a friend of mine also owns one of the top facilities in the world. Mm-hmm. And I said, what about him? And he goes, yes, perfect. And so I called him, 
and it got set up, bam, stuck the kid on a plane, and he was here the next morning. Wow. And it was crazy because I just landed from Lexington, and all of a sudden I'm at the airport picking up this kid, and I took him right to rehab. And I have to tell you, it was really cool to see this kid breathing for wow. the first time. Mm -hmm. And smiling, knowing that he has another chance at life. Was he wanting to go? Yeah, was he willing? Never before, because yeah. people were trying to ram things down his throat and say, not literally, but say, you know, you need to. That's, what, that's the thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit here is uh, a lot of people don't know how to deal with addiction and we get into fear. So I wrote everyone a letter or the family. I wrote them a letter to mitigate wow. their fears. And I said, listen, here's my perspective on it. And he was smiling. His father was in tears saying, I haven't seen him smile in five years. Wow. And he was smiling. He arrives in Los Angeles. It's a new, it's a new break for him. He's seeing palm trees and blue skies and this incredible facility called the Hills up in the, in the mountains and, you know, great view and a uh, dog park across the street. So he'll get laid with a dog yeah. anyway, just, just to bring that whole thing back. get a puppy first. Yeah, but, yeah, get, get, a, get a puppy. But, uh, get clean and get a puppy. That might be in the 30-day program. Yeah. On your 29th day, we give you a puppy. That would be awesome. So, so if you can handle this puppy. Uh, so uh, anyway, so I, I drive in there and we have a long talk and I talk about, you know, some of my experience in this, in this world of addiction. And sure enough, one of the people... Uh, in his life, one of the family members, a key family member, uh, reacted the way I was just telling you that my ex reacts to things. She took it personal. Now, here's a kid that they have no idea what to do with. He's literally doing crack. Yeah. Like the night before he even got on the plane, he's doing crack. And his yeah. father happened to discover him doing it. And he stuck him on the plane because I said, listen, this kid needs a, a chance in life. And here's a chance to start fresh a young sobriety out here as well in, in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, so I, I told them this. And sh how did she react? What? You know, you're abusive. You know, you put him on, you know, you didn't consult with me. And I'm, and I'm going, whoa, if, if, if your way worked, he wouldn't be doing crack, right? I mean, he would have found his place. But he's completely confused, completely lost. And this is the last thing he needs to hear is this, this self-obsessed perspective of someone who's saying, you know, supposedly his best interest is at heart, but no, it's like he belongs here and he should be in jail and he should and all these things. What? Oh yeah, yeah, all of these things are coming at the father. It, was it his mother that's but, reacting in that yeah, way? Yeah, it is. Oh. So, so um, when I'm reading her email, mm -hmm. I I actually started laughing with my wife. I'm going, this is word for word what my ex-wife does. Yeah. And 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 I the, and I know it's not funny. We talked about it beforehand. Do we talk about borderline personality disorder? Is a really really tough one to climb mm -hmm. because everything about them is to blame others and find out the root of it in their own you know belief that they think that they're the therapist and the be all end all and all this. So oh, Paul Williams is walking in me. He's going to have a different perspective on this. So uh, the bottom line is, so we're dealing with her, yeah. and what I, I'm going to write to her, I'm going to write to her. You are and a lot of oh, a, a lot of people don't have the balls to confront people, and I do. But you love it. Because I recognize this. I do not love it. You I hate get it. get off on that stuff. I do right? not. Yes, confrontation and no! writing intense emails to people. You no, that is not true. Wait, wait a second. Hold it. Now, wait. You've let's done stop. it countless times. Let's stop. Okay, let's stop that notion on a dime in this particular case. Let's not talk about my long history of this. Okay. <laughs> okay. In this particular case, what you're saying is what I believe is part of the issue in my own life is no one will confront a person with borderline personality disorder because you're scared of them. Oh, I see. You walk on eggshells. Yeah. So, therefore, 
No one in this case has ever supported me. They won't snap, step in and talk to her. I mean, it, or logic or reason, because it all goes out the window, and they know how to manipulate. They blame their victims. All of it all in one. That's part of borderline personality disorder. It's the key element of it. So I, I, uh, I was, uh, you know, in, I'm just in this position. I'm going, you know what? I'm going to do what I wish people would do in my case, okay. and that's have the guts yeah. to say to her, I'll tell you what. You need to not, you need to, uh, first of all, go ahead and research this place. It's the number one facility around. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, that's out the window. So, let's not go with that. And you know what this kid needs right now? It's part of the reason he's using is conflict, is parental conflict and all this kind of stuff. So, if you really want to help him, the only words you should say to him are, I love you and I support you 100%. Yeah. And me, as on the other side of this, that's all I ever wished for, never happened. Yeah. So I want to say to her, is that something that I should not do? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I think it's great. I think it, I like that. It's like you're an angel for this guy. Like you're totally changing his life. And maybe it probably will go on deaf ears with this woman because they're crazy and can't hear it. Well, it, it might. But I've also written to her family. Yeah. And I said, here's the perspective. I'm going to mitigate some fears here. And I and I mentioned, you know, my own recovery process and, and, and whose hands this boy is in just to say to them, Look, he's going to have his best chance at this. And I also added, which a lot of borderlines can't hear. They think you have an agenda. I go, I have no agenda. Yeah. I, I'm not making a dime. If yeah. anything, it's costing me money, gas, <laughs> bought a pizza. Anyway, <laughs> but I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not going to get anything out of this. But what I do get out of it is, is a sense of, uh, of good feeling that I listen to my instincts and my gut, which is I try to clean out before I make decisions. Sometimes it's not clean down. I like make a, poor have decisions. a bowel movement? Is that what you're <laughs> yeah. Clean out your gut? Well, no, not that. I, I, I do like that, too. I think I made the decision after a good BM. But, uh, yeah. no, it, that is – but I – I think I, a little clearer. I, I listen to this um, source at times, and I believe that that's when the best decisions are made is when the heart is involved and when spirit is involved. And I just just showed up. Mm -hmm. For all of a sudden, I've got. I had to cancel my business appointments. Bam! I'm at that airport. Do you think I'm worried about the business? The business will come back. Yeah. But this kid might not come back. He's I not going. You know, get on an air off the airplane and go. Uh, you know, wander and find some crack. You know, whatever it was. So I drive him there and. I just got chills by the way. And turn yeah. and it turns out yeah. that um, my friend owns the place of 20 years, and my other friend of 20 years, she is his counselor now. Oh, yes. wow. And I just stopped there on the way here. And I have to tell you, when I see all of us in the room, it was me, him, the, you know, the son, and, and these two, I said to him, I go, you are in the best hands you could possibly be in. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I also had tears in my eyes. I said, your father is so happy that he heard you smiled for the first time in all those years. Oh, wow. And he smiled probably because he knows he has hope now. Mm -hmm. And he's out of that toxic environment of people fighting over why he has a disease. You can't fight over if somebody has cancer. You can't go, where did he get that? I think it was because right. you right. never patted him on the back. <laughs> you know, everybody wants these reasons mm -hmm. instead of really looking to how you can love someone unconditionally. That is the key to everything, in my opinion, in my experience, mm -hmm. is just find out ways to not look and blame. And that, again, is part of it's the key to borderline personality disorder. So I guess I'm also saying this to put it out to the air. Yeah. Of anyone who wants to write me and share their stories, because, by the way, I feel alone in this process. Mm -hmm. It's why I am using this as a, as a vehicle. It is so frustrating to be on the yeah. other side of these accusations and allegations and then have to defend them. And you're just going, what's this insanity? This is insane. 
Because there's no one stepping in to tell her, to tell these two women that I'm talking about in particular, you know what? This is crazy, and you can't be doing this, and this is a big part of the problem. How would the listeners know that they are dealing with a person with by, yeah. by whatever it's called? Borderline personality, personality disorder, I'll tell you this. just a bitch. Yeah. No, no, this has nothing to do with that. This has nothing to do with, you know, a lot of people do that. Joel, I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people want to go, she's a bitch, you know, or a lot of, and when I've shared this stuff, people go, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> they always go, what did you do yeah. to cause this? It's, immediately, people's response is like, oh, you must have done something. No, no. That, you know, it's like saying to somebody who has, uh, you know, bipolar, you know, what'd you do to cause that? No, you just have this disorder. Uh -huh. And there's nothing wrong with having the disorder. And there's nothing, that, you know, I'm not evaluating them in, you know, pointing a finger. But I'm saying that I've been on the other side of this. So is my wife is on the other side of it. So is my business manager is just, you know, these tirades and raging out of nowhere, and that's what are the, here are the here are the components. Yeah. And I talked to Dr. Drew about this. Dr. Drew has had it so bad. Now you talk about an expert. He went 11 years to his own therapy to deal with borderline personality disorder. Of his own. Of his own. He wow. had to go 11 years to figure out how to manage this as best you can because it is chaos, mayhem, victims who blame and finger point. And they're assigning things all the time, and they believe themselves to be all powerful and controlling. And he you walk on eggshells. He didn't no. have a disorder. He, he had was to deal with, with people. Loads of them because right. they lure okay. you in. Yeah. And yeah. especially if you're a doctor, I've watched my ex do that. Every single person we go in counseling should go, Oh, I don't know how you do this. Oh, you're a miracle. How you're, you're master manipulators, it's, right? Exactly. So you can't see through it most of the time. And then the person gets lured in, just like I did in marrying, right? right? I go, oh wow, I can rescue here and I can be a I can be valued to myself. And Dr. Drew again had to go through that as well. Because your ego gets involved. Yeah. Your ego says, Hey, wait a minute, I uh you know, I can I can take care of this person and I, I have the answers for them. You don't. You don't. And that's what I'm saying is that's why I wanted to step in. And I'm so neutral in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to say from this other perspective, this is me as, you know, a guy who's also not had drugs or alcohol in 25 years. Here's my perspective on this. And you can take it or leave it. But you want to start blaming and then going and saying that the father is responsible for all of this kid's problems. And then it's the grandfather and then suing the grandfather and all this stuff. This is what she's done. Now, my ex does the same thing and involves everyone else. So now it's a house of cards because now everyone's colluding and, and no one has the guts to actually stand up. So I guess that's what I'm saying in all of this, Sarah, because you're saying, Craig, don't do that. Don't be writing letters. You want conflict. It's the ex exact opposite. I would prefer if maybe someone would do that even for me, mm -hmm. if someone would have the guts to stand up to my, my ex and say, you can't be doing this. This is the core issue for your children because they see that you're an evidence gatherer. They see that you're trying to blame their father. They, you're trying to change their reality into your reality. It's ego and, and so on. But they wouldn't have an awakening just by that, like somebody pointing out to them what they're doing. They wouldn't have an awakening, but I have to tell you, I, it's hard to find faith, but I did find this uh, football player named Brandon Marshall. He did get help for it. Really? And he turned his life around. Really? Yeah, and it's a tough one because the last thing they want to do is look at themselves. It's yeah. the last thing on their docket is to say, ooh, I better self-examine. They will never, and I mean never, you're never supposed to say never. <laughs> they will never apologize. They're never. It's part of the program with, with a borderline personality disorder. What, does he talk about what motivated him to finally 
look at himself and get help? Uh, he, I, it was a real brief piece that I saw on ESPN, yeah. but I, at least it gave me faith that there's something out there. My, my hope and faith is that somebody from her stable of people that she colludes with stop saying, yeah, you're right, oh, Craig's a horrible man, and oh, my God, how do you deal with that? Because then they all put it on them. It's like, I don't know how I deal with it. You know, I just have to let go. And, you know, they do this whole run on, you know, what, you know, his abuse is, you know, it's so bad, but I have to let it go for the sake of my children. And they use children. That's another th manipulative thing they do, mm -hmm. acting like I am the great mother and all that kind of stuff. It's a manipulation. It's, it's what they do. But if someone stepped back and actually went, wait a minute, you failed at almost everything in your life, and you're going to blame other people. So it's just a, a series of people that they blame for their failures. And if somebody would actually have the guts to stand up to that, I mean, that's what my, you know, my fantasy is. And by the way, one of my biggest problems in my life is I fantasize too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really bad. Will you let us know if it does impact her at all? Have you sent the letter yet? Well, I already sent one, and it impacted the family. Yes, they responded okay. in an unbelievable way that I had tears in my eyes again. It really was incredible because they heard me. But they also are not as involved as she is, and they don't have maybe the disorder that she does. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, I, we could talk about this a lot. I was The topic was going to be random acts of kindness. And also, how do you tell that you have random acts of kindness without sounding like an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without patting yourself on the back, you know. Yeah. I want to tell you some more of my random acts of kindness. But those were huge acts of kindness. Like, you saved somebody's life. I, wait, no, cool. I'm not going to go there, and I, I'm going to tell you that, my, seriously, my ego is not involved in this. I'm sharing it because I would hope that other people would feel good about themselves when you do these things, where you just respond to what's in the now. And that's all it was. I'm responding to what's in the now. And the, uh, there's like a, a divine guidance. And if you listen to that guidance system instead of our self-obsession and fears, you're going to do a lot better. That's that's my belief. Not a comedy show today. But uh, listen, we have a, a Paul Williams is coming up. I'm, I'm so excited that Paul's coming in to, to visit us. One of the greatest. He's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. One of the greatest uh, songwriters in history has a documentary called Still Alive where this guy, I'll tell you all about it. He's Paul so Williams. tiny. He's so tiny. Yeah, he, can, he just heard you say that, like he's never heard that before. He has a lot of short jokes. We'll hear them all. Awesome. Anyway, uh, and we'll also find out uh, how indeed he ended up to be not of um, six-foot height. Oh, no. It's an interesting story. Yeah, you better feel bad, Sarah. We have more We have more of the uh, Craig Shoemaker, Sarah Sweet, Joel Geist, and Ileana Rose. It's Laugh It Off. Coming back in a few minutes. Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. A great website if you are in the market for gift giving, redenvelope.com. They have over 300 unique and inspired new products, along with their classic favorites that are going to make gift giving very, very easy. All you have to do is go to redenvelope.com, enter Heidi and Frank at the checkout, and save 20%. Are you experiencing occasional constipation, fatigue, weight gain, poor circulation, sleepless nights, depression, or lack of concentration? Your health conditions may be related to a toxic colon. Yes, I'm talking about pooping. It's time to detoxify and feel healthy. Miracles of Health offers you a smooth and gentle solution. PuraCleanse, the number one colon cleanser you can count on. Go to miraclesofhealth.com or call 888-495-9864 and get your seven-day free trial of PuraCleanse. All you have to do is pay $4.99 for the shipping. PuraCleanse, your friend for life. 
Hey, Toad Hop listeners, this is Freddie Lockhart and Candace Thompson with What's Good, starring Freddie Lockhart and Candace Thompson. And we are a show that knows a little bit about a lot. We talk about hip hop, we talk about other people who can't help themselves, and we talk about all sorts of things music, TV, gossip, you name it, we do it. Be sure to check out our show live every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the ToadHopNetwork.com. And if you miss it, go back and watch it on ToadHopNetwork.com or download the audio from iTunes. Don't be a jerk. Do it. While you're there, leave a comment and rate the show. It's very important, Candace. They have to leave a comment and rate the show. You know why? Why? Otherwise, we'll be on the bottom. And we like to be on the top, don't we? I know I do. Yeah, girl. Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. I, I, you know, sometimes I feel like daddy. I just did a daddy moment. Paul Williams is here, and um, <laughs> his wife's phone just went off. And I gave, I literally gave her the evil eye, like, like, like she was eight. How dare you have that thing on, Missy? <laughs> I know. It's over the United Nations checking with her to make sure that, you know, that the Ethiopians can get along with this, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Huh? That's Paul Williams. That's Paul Williams. That's his intro. Let me just take a call right away because ahead, uh, we, we, we beg for calls on here, Paul. And, and whenever we get one, we just have to take it. I'm really happy for you. I think that someone's calling for you right now. Uh, who's this? Hi, uh, this is Nina. Hi, Nina. How are you? And uh, welcome to the um, show. And, and listen, you are... It's so funny. Usually we have uh, our guest, uh, we have a little repartee, but you are the first co- person to ask a question of our guest. So it's your show, Nina. Ooh. Hi. It's the Nina Show. Well, hi, awesome. Nina. Awesome. You're, you're on with Paul Great. Williams. Now, are you a fan of Paul's? I am definitely a fan. I'm wow. not going to reveal my age, but I am a fan from way back in the day. Let's just say that I used to have my dates back in college take me to the Muppet movies and partly because I love the uh, the music so lovely yeah thank I'm a big you. fan oh, did you, you do all the Muppet music or most of it I did two or three things for I did Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas and I did the Muppet movie I did the Muppet Christmas Carol all the music uh, words and music and then I did wow. the, the I wrote the story the songs and the co-wrote the teleplay 
for wow. a, a, for Letters to Santa, the one-hour special, the Christmas special, a couple of years ago that I was nominated for an Emmy for but did not win because the Emmys were fixed that year. Oh, Who fixed it? Who won that year? No, I don't remember. But oh, come on. It's <laughs> Saturday Night Live, I think. You know. They're fixed because he didn't win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, Nina, I'm thrilled. Thank you. I'm glad that you liked the, 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 the Muppet movie stuff. That was, was Absolutely. Well, I'm a fan of a lot, a, a lot of Paul's work. It's an honor to be able to talk to him, and I'm totally impressed with just the, the vast variety of work that you've done in your lifetime. So I just, you know, congratulate you for all that. But my question for you, Paul, is I, I actually was reading a little bit um, online about you, and I learned that, I don't know if this is correct, but I learned that your brother... Um, is actually a NASA rocket scientist. My old, my that older, true? yeah, my older brother uh, uh, J Jack Williams, John Sherman Williams, uh, passed away a few years ago. But he was actually he was a nuclear engineer. He was responsible for. He was one of the one of the the design engineers on SNAP Ten, which was the first nuclear reactor they put in orbit. You know, so he was. My other brother is is a songwriter who wrote a great song called Drift Away, which is a brilliant. Really? My brother Mentor wrote, "Give me the beat, boys and friends." Uh, my oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get yeah. lost. So two, two, <laughs> lost in you know, rock and roll and drift. I love that yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. That's your brother? Yeah, exactly. Well, let's spend a lot of time talking about it. So I feel even worse about the fact <laughs> that I didn't write that one. You know? <laughs> let's talk about all of your siblings' achievements. We've heard yours already. We can just look it up on Wikipedia. I'm but impressed by this. My brother is just. I mean, Mentor. The, he also had hits for uh, for uh, Alabama. He wrote "When We Make Love." What? He's a wonderful songwriter, and I always say to him, you know, th that bridge, the bridge to drift away, really sounds like me. Are you sure? <laughs> I, are you sure I wasn't in the room when you wrote it? And he looks at me like, "Get away, you little bastard!" Get out of here, get out of here. So that must have been a hell of a dinner table uh, with all of the competition going on. He, you know, uh, whatever I did, he wanted to do as well. And the fact is that he did it as well or better. I mean, he's just a really wonderful writer and a, and a really good guy. Well, too. I wasn't even talking about you two. I'm talking about what Nina's talking about, the NASA guy. Oh, yeah, that's oh, that's yeah, the real genius. Yeah. Anybody can write a freaking song. Yeah. <laughs> How to make friends with your guest. Anybody can write a freaking song. But, but you... Yeah. The fact is, you're right. Anybody can. You know, I think that you know that we have. You know, this as when we play at what we do, I and mean, when you play at your work, you do your best work. Yeah. Mm. And I think that we're all incredibly creative. I think there's there's from the moment that we're born, that people start telling us things we can't do, mm. and if you're capable of ignoring that. You can have a career in showbiz. I, I, I want to talk to you about that, the parents. I want to say goodbye to Nina. Nina, thank you very much for calling us and keep listening. You're very welcome. Very kind, yeah, Nina. Just, just one last question for yeah. you, Paul. Did, did your brother ever say to you, hey, you're really successful, but it's not rocket science? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish she had. I told you she should have been the host. We need to get Nina's number and keep her in our lives. I have it right cool. here. Okay. <laughs> I won't broadcast it, Nina. Thank you so much. That was funny. Yeah, that's funny. I, you know what? I said she'd be the host, and uh, it turns out that was as bad as anything I ever could have said. <laughs> I was wandering there. I was going to go there with the rocket scientist. But, I mean, so the thing I wanted to speak about is, okay, so these are three, like, high-level successful creative people in one household. In one household. What, what was the relationship like with your parents that would have this manifest? Well, you know, my dad was worked in construction. He was, uh, uh, it's like, he was a project manager they called it on a construction site for big jobs that lasted like a year so every year we moved i went to nine nine schools by the time i was in the ninth grade my dad was mm -hmm. also an alcoholic you know mm -hmm. i caught that gene you know mm -hmm. as a matter of fact so did both my brothers my younger brother who's still alive is i think 
12 years sober. I'm 20, almost 23. Mm -hmm. My older brother was suddenly almost 20 years sober when he died of a heart attack. He could not quit smoking. But we were raised in a household where, A, alcohol was the reward for a hard day's work. So alcohol was a big part of it. Uh, my, wait a minute. Wait a, so wait, so <laughs> I just want to get this straight on the question. Yeah. So you're telling me the reward of alcohol made you guys into brilliant songwriters? No, I'm just like, telling you. Here you go. I got a highball yeah, for yeah, you yeah, if you exactly, write a song. Exactly. Come yes. up with, have a sip of this. Wow. You're brilliant. You got a double uh, shot for close to you. That was yeah. genius. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, rocket science, you over here with a nuclear fission. But here, so, no, but no. To answer your question, you yeah. asked what it was like, and, and, and the fact is, because we were always moving, I was always the new kid in school, I was always the littlest kid in mm -hmm. school, both of my brothers had the same situation where they were the new kid in school and all. And I think that for my brother and I, we developed communicative skills, probably in my case, fear-based thinking. You mm -hmm. know, if you make them laugh, they're not striking you again. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. So you deal with that, and most comedians that I know have, have similar kind of a background. You know, you develop your, your comedic talents as a way to communicate to beat. It's probably fear basically but it became your gift and the like so for both of my brothers songs became a, a way for us to, to to deal with what we were feeling with my older brother I have no idea he was eight, <laughs> he was eight years older than me he spoke a language and 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 listened to inner voices that I could never hear and you know I mean I you know I'd read I'll read books on quantum theory you know once in a while trying to catch up with you know with the the mind that mindset it's not going to happen i'm still you know <laughs> right, i mean right. i i do my best work with a box of crayons i'm sorry I'm just, you know, that's just not uh, i love that one of the greatest songwriters of all time writes in crayon <laughs> That's what I got out of this. You know what? If, if, you, if, if you're having a great day, get out that spiritual box of crayons because the big amigo is right there whispering ideas to you. Now, did your, uh, so you're saying, though, that the, uh, your parents uh, were not necessarily uh, the best for your creative uh, spark, if you will. As a matter of fact, they weren't that encouraging. Is that what well, I'm hearing? Well, you know, my, my dad was killed in a car wreck when I was 13. So, I mean, I, I, I had very little input from him. And, and, and he was one of those guys that came home drank. He'd, and yeah. he would put, you know, he'd sit with his buddies drinking. And then I'd go to bed and he'd get me up in the middle of the night to sing Danny Boy to his buddy Ike McShane, who was also drunk. And the last thing Ike McShane wanted was some gnome to get up and sing Danny Boy to <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, So my first performances were to a drunk looking at me like, you know what, you're no real, you're, you ain't worth crap. Uh. And incidentally, I recreated that in Vegas many times. You know, <laughs> I, you know. now, now, Paul's referred to his height and then called himself a gnome and so forth. There are some out there that do not know Paul Williams. And you've made a lot of jokes about your height. I have. And did, didn't your didn't your father have something to do with uh, not his genes, but wasn't there something I remember right. in the documentary about? Yeah, when I, I was very how tall are you? Very small. I'm five foot two. And both of my brothers are six footers. There's a mild resentment we're working through. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact, the, you know, the fact is, I was very, I, I had a very slow body clock. I was, I was growing. I was very small. My folks worried about it, so they took me to a doctor who decided to try something. He gave me uh, male hormone injections. They it would make me grow and what it did is it made me want to jump on Aunt Laverne you know but it also sealed started to seal off the bones which is what happens at puberty mm -hmm. and uh, so all of a sudden instead of growing up to be six foot I grew up to be five two and uh, so that, that's why I'm short but and oh, wow. so from from the growth hormones ironically. exactly ironically but uh, again in my life I, I I'm a big believer that Noah's a gift yeah, and I think that that you know when you you know when something like this rolls along, 
it's a it's a great teacher. You know, you you learn to, to deal with the situation. Yeah. And beyond that, it becomes a gift. It, it, if that's it, your choice. If 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 you choose it to yeah. to make it your your gift, you can you can grow from the pain, or yeah. you can uh, yeah. stay a victim to it. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I, it's it's all an illusion anyway, right? Yeah. yeah. But and and your perspective has come out in incredible songwriting. And, and you know, fact, it's, it's been a great. It's been it's been an, an amazing. You know, it, it, again, it was a gift. I started out as an actor. I played kids. You know, I, I if you look at the movie The Loved One. With Jonathan Winters, I was a little boy who built rockets in that. I was in the chase with Marlon Brando, uh, but uh, and you were playing. I, you were playing like I, a ten-year-old, but I, you're really twenty. I was twenty-two. I was playing a thirteen-year-old, and it, it was. <laughs> I looked like a kid till you put me next to a real kid. Then I looked like a kid with a hangover. It was. <laughs> it, was it was odd. You know, it was weird. But but the, the the fact is that it was just you know I had this dream. I want. I felt like Montgomery Clift. I looked like Haley Mills. It just was not going to work. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it made me hard to cast, but because I didn't get the job that I wanted, because I, I didn't get the career I wanted as an actor, you know, on the set of the chase, I, I picked up a borrowed guitar and started kind of doodling, and uh, wound up actually a little song that I doodled on the set of the chase. Robert Duvall was walking by and he heard me singing. It was about one of the characters in the films, and he said, "Here, show that to the director." I showed it to Arthur Penn. Wow, and, uh, wow. and uh, it's in the movie The Chase, and it's me going, Bubba, 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 come out wherever you are. This little song I made up about Robert Redford's character, and uh, Arthur Penn shot it, and it's in the movie, and it's the first song I ever wrote. You know what's amazing about Paul is it's it's very matter-of-fact. He just dropped about yeah. nine legend names in yeah. <laughs> one tiny little story, a little anecdote. Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall walked by, and then Robert Redford. I'm writing this song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, it's like I, was, I was talking about, you know, Sarah last week as she walked by. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, it, it's, so it's amazing. But I'm sure that... Um, that does, doesn't really have an effect on you anyway. It, it, it is just, this is the story. Well, the headwaters of the story is that I was a, I was a bit player in that movie, but I was there for five months, you know. So, you know, the the fact is I never had a really great role. And the part in the, in the Loved One was a good part, but I think the point of the story is that you don't get what you think you, you want to, you know, and what you get is what you probably really need. What I get, got was a tool to, to put what I was feeling and... The gift of that is that when I wrote honestly about what I was feeling, other people seemed to relate to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and but by the way, we're with Paul Williams and uh, a legendary singer, songwriter, actor, uh, and uh, like a, like a, a pop. Is that what you would call it? A pop icon at one time with all those Tonight Show appearances with Johnny Carson. What would you call that phase of your life? A drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the bottom. I was, you know, I did 48 Tonight Shows. I, rem I, remember, wow. I remember six, you know, so it's, it's wow. you know. Good thing we have VCRs back yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, the, you know the, there's a, a documentary called Paul Williams Still Alive, which yeah. I assume we're going to we'll talk about it at yeah. some point. But there's all this archival footage, including footage of me. You know, as, as somebody who be, basically became addicted to the attention, I was—I became a real media whore, and, and uh, uh, there's a lot of footage of me really. We know you're this. over that because you're on this show. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is. And we can't even get your wife to listen right now, let yeah, alone yeah, have yeah. more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I I watched the movie. I've actually seen it twice now, well, and it, it is. This Still Alive is such uh, an insight on so many levels. And I know that the director's intention wasn't what ended up on that screen. That was yeah. what one of the best parts of it was. Hmm. Paul ends up, the guy had an agenda, the director. 
Now, I can say all these things because I don't know. <laughs> and uh, you can't. So, <laughs> so, so um, Paul, the guy, I think his agenda was to take this, you know, where's this guy that was this legend that I used to watch on television and I identified with him because I also was misunderstood and I was a misfit and in society. And I'm going to go find this guy. Is he still alive, Paul Williams, who was on television every minute when I was growing up? When I was growing up, is you turn on that, you turn Merv Griffin, Love Boat, Fantasy Island, boom, there's Paul Williams, Paul Williams, Paul Williams, and and uh, I remember my mom would watch with me, yeah, and you know, and she would, you know, here he is again. <laughs> she always yeah. say, here he is. You know, he's awful short. That's what she said. <laughs> my family is so visual; they always have to have a visual comment about yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's like, well, that it's, he's next to Pat McCormick, who's like six six. You're always in scenes with him. Always as well. next to Pat McCormick. Yeah. So this guy, go. This director says, "I'm going to go on this mission and basically find out what Paul Williams is up to." And I think his agenda was to say, "Boy, you had all this. This must suck now, right? Oh, he's down and out and all this." And you see Paul today. As happy as I'd say, as so you've ever been you. in oh, your life, absolutely, as you've ever yeah, dreamed yeah, of in your yeah. life, and, and more and more useful than I've ever and been. more useful, yeah, yeah. and that's what comes across in this thing. And it's and the guy's like, you know, he doesn't even know what to do. But to his credit, he left it all in. Paul yeah. confronts him in the movie. He goes, you know, basically like, you're gonna put this. You could, you should put this on. You know, yeah. you should put this well, exchange. He, he interrupts. I'm telling the story about my dad taking me oh, this meaningful story, and he interrupts to ask me about a talent show. And I went, wait a minute, you're interrupting this meaningful story about my dad taking me to, to ask about some kind of talent show? Put right. that in the movie. And as you say, to his credit, he does. I think yeah. if, if he had found it, his mindset was fame equals happiness. Yeah. Uh, fame equals happiness. Oh, yeah. And when he said, as he said to me, when, when, when the Tonight Show stops calling, didn't you fall apart? No. When I couldn't get the dealer on the phone, I fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know, the fact is, I disappeared. I mean, when, yeah. when my when my addiction to the camera being on me was outrun by my addiction to Stolichnaya and cocaine, hmm. I did what all good addicts do: I hid out. One and of the I, most fascinating things, though, in the movie is when your addiction is on the camera. Oh yeah, there are a few. Times. I wow. could not believe it because yeah. when you're watching at home, I'm a you know, kid in Philadelphia watching this. You're just thinking, oh, this is a guy, happy-go-lucky guy, having a good time. Now you watch with a different perspective. On you see the you see your bottom. Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it, it's like he's half, drunk and, and and filled with cocaine on the air wow. and basically talking about it. And this is the funny part about it. Our last guest on this show, right, uh, Christopher Lawford, his dad was tell the story about. You invited well, his father yeah. basically because they wanted to party together with well, no, Coke. No, no, Peter, oh, okay, go Peter, ahead. Yeah, Peter called him, Peter Lawford. And I had met, you know, I'd met Peter uh, and become friends with Peter. And Peter loved to party. Peter loved had, had, a, had a big nose like I did, you know, loved cocaine. And there was a show yeah. called The Mike Douglas Show, which yeah. was a very popular talk show back yeah, in the exactly. late 70s. And, yeah. the, and the, on The Mike Douglas Show, if you went in and you hosted the show, you could ask for a, right. one guest on every show. Yeah. So Peter calls me. And like, Peter, I, I, I mean, talk about name dropping. I met... Peter Lawford introduced me to, to Elizabeth Taylor, and, and I mean, wow. that, just this guy was the the epicenter of Hollywood. Oh yeah, elitist. And he know. was like you know tanned and English, Gorgeous. and he was part of the Rat yeah, Pack, exactly. and he, and he looked cool when he smoked. Yeah, I mean he was like one of the he was like one of those guys. He, he, he like defined yeah. the oh, smoker, yeah. cool guy with yeah. the sideburns, and and he just looked like. And he was at the he epicenter like, of even he, politics. He looked like what cocaine made me feel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was just that, oh, my, having 
it together. He was, you know, he was Sinatra's buddy. He was old. Eddie yeah, a lot of the people of this generation, that's why I have to describe yeah, it. Exactly. A lot of the people you're mentioning, uh, as a matter of fact, the young people in the room right now have no idea a lot, even who Peter Lawford is. But we had his son on, who's in recovery exactly. as well, last time yeah, on our Chris, show. Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris uh, Lawford was on our show, and he's also a Kennedy, and he's involved yeah, in politics yeah. and exactly. so on. Yeah. So there's a, So take us to... It's amazing that what we see in this movie when he walks out with this big smile on his face to see his party buddy. Well, what basically what happened is Peter. And first of all, the, the great illustration is, is that addiction is an equal opportunity disease. Peter Lawford, you know, who is like like part of that world, and and Paul Williams, who's trailer trash, managed to both wind up as addicts. It's an equal opportunity <laughs> disease. But no, he called me and he said, "Look, I heard you're gonna you're you're host you're co-hosting Mike Douglas," and I. I, you know, I need to get back to Philadelphia. They shot Mike Douglas in Philadelphia. And he says, I need to get back. He says, there's some amazing blow in, in Philadelphia. He said, now, if I just go back, he said, uh, my family will know why I'm going back, and I'll be in nothing but trouble. But if you, uh, you can ask for a guest. So if you ask Mike for Peter Lawford, you know, then, then they'll, they'll fl fly me in for the show. So I asked Mike, and Mike said, you know, the show said, but he was just on. I said, I don't care. I want, I want people off. <laughs> you know, and, uh, which came out of me a lot easier than it does these days. These days I would go, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to get in the way. Uh, but no, so he came back and the look and, on his face though when he when you say the, here's both, my friend we're so you're so giddy that, ripped we're yeah oh, yeah you're just giddy yeah exactly and you're watching in this documentary this footage that they use they have all this real footage uh, 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 and you hosting the Merv Griffin show when you're blasted exactly ripped you know blasted and it's yeah. really obvious but yeah. I'm sure I'm pretty sure that no one came up to you after the show and said what's wrong with you yeah. Because no one does that. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Is uh, Sarah was mentioning? Well, Craig, you love conflict or something because I was trying to get involved in this in this kid's recovery. Yeah. And she says, "Don't, don't do that because you know you're gonna wait, you know wait, cause wait. Well, not get involved <laughs> in his recovery." I just meant send a letter to his mom. Yeah, but that's involved in his recovery. But I yeah okay. Okay, so that it sounded like I was saying like I was saying don't get involved. Oh in okay yeah recovery. okay wait that's, a minute that's I a wanna, good clarifying uh, point. Uh, yes, I, I want I want to hear a little more about this because obviously you, you know you're trying to get involved in this kid's recovery and I know. <laughs> 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 We I'm lead, glad she we clarified. Lead, we lead by example. I'm we glad she clarified. I was trying. I was trying to cliff note it because I know we're coming up to a break. I was trying to yeah. get to the basically, well, you know, how do you involve yourself? You know, with, uh, you know, if, if did anyone come up to you? And I was saying to Sarah, is like, look, I'm going to have the balls to confront this you mother bet. who's not ver being very good for her child and his recovery. And that's a gift. And that ultimately, you know, the fact is, that, you know, there's a scene in, in, in the picture where Chris Caswell, who's been my music director since like the mid 70s, hmm. is questioned by the filmmaker, like, you know, what, what happened, you know, about, with Forrest Paul. Oh, right. You know, the one person that came up to me and said, I'm worried about you. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, actually, it happened twice. It happened later on with the young lady, but it happened mm -hmm. with Chris, and he said, "I'm worried about you," and I fired him. Mm -hmm. I fired him. You know, so yeah. so you know the fact is and that's that, the, that's, that yeah. was a true friend, and what he got is fired. He obviously got rehired quickly once I got sober. Yeah, yeah. but but and it, thanked, and yeah. you're humbly grateful to. But does to it him. help to confront the parents of the person that needs recovery? I think that what you can do is reflect the truth back to somebody as yeah. you see it. I think that just as I'm powerless over alcohol and cocaine and other mind-altering drugs that the that the 
codependent is powerless over the I'm, alcohol. Uh, by the way, I love know. the way you turn yeah, that. Yeah, See, a songwriter, yeah. every time you say something to me downstairs, I'm going to go, I'm just reflecting the truth. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she usually gives me a, you're passive-aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> She'll throw a label on wait, me. Wait, wait, I like that. I'm yeah, reflecting she, the truth. Yeah, but shoot, you reflect the truth with your knee in somebody's chest. That's <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're not all five foot two. Isn't it's not so always in their chest. It could be in their groin. <laughs> you know, I just think, I think there, that, it's a fine line, and that's what is. we're talking about before. Is like, what? Where do I step in? To me, as I was saying, I wished it's a. Some people would have done it with me, yeah, yeah. and b that they do it with some people like my ex that I'm having conflict with and having a really difficult time. I'm wishing, yeah, in my fantasy world. That someone would do actually what I am doing is I'm writing letters to family members of this boy. Yeah. Well, I think you know, and, I think and I'm lovely. saying to them, I'm saying to them, um, uh, let me help me mitigate your fears because you do not know what addiction is about. Let me give you my perspective with no agenda and neutral, and let me just tell you this information. Do with it what you may, and people are going to have yeah. still have reactions, yeah. and that's where, where I'm coming from. Is like. When do you step in? When do you step in and, and be help somebody's bottom happen? And a lot of times you're going to be rejected, like you did with your, uh, your musical but, you know, director. The fact is, when somebody asks for help, you you, know, you put your hand out. You know that's right. that, That's what happened. When they that's ask. what happened to me. I asked for help and I got it. But the other thing is, that, you know, that you're going to get, and I'm sure you get a lot of calls or, or emails from people who have somebody, a son, a husband, mm -hmm. or whatever that, that's 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 addicted. And what do you say to them? What you you share the, you, your truth as best you can. Yes. You know, with the gift you've been given, and say, you know, look. What, at, and at some point, what my advice to the to the the, the person who's dealing with the, with the not, not, you know not the addict, but the person that's that's asking, is I remind them to take care of themselves. You know that you that you have to mm -hmm. stop. You know, don't be an enabler. Don't you know? Don't write another check to cover their rent. Don't mm -hmm. don't don't take. Let them hit their bottom. Let them have the gift. Of mm. having lost it all. If you need to lose it all to get sober, then you need to lose it all. Yeah, and just and love them unconditionally as best you can, exactly, and and yeah. just don't be in, involved in it. Yeah. Paul Williams is our guest. We have to take a break. And uh, by the way, if you're wondering what Paul looks like in the past, back when he was a uh, media whore, he said that, not me. Uh, I happened to walk in. I was took this picked this kid up from uh, to take him to rehab. And I said, you need a piece of pizza or something? I said, let's go get some pizza. <laughs> On our way to the rehab, picked him up in the airport. The very first thing I see wow. when I walk into that airport, I mean, the, the uh, place to get the pizza, is Paul Williams' photo from the 70s. That's awesome. <laughs> it's on a postcard. And, 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 Hold it up. And then, there it is. Yeah, I'm going to show this to the camera. This is oh Paul's a former look. Yeah. Do you, do you miss that look? <laughs> You know, it's you sort of it's, that. You know, it's like I'm trying desperately not to look like Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Paul, uh, just like Jodie, will come out after the break. Yeah. That's called a tease. Uh, hello. That's called a tease. Anything to keep them with us. Paul Williams is here. Uh, that's one of his songs. We've only just begun. And our show has only just begun with our special guest, Paul Williams on Laugh It Off with Creek Shoemaker. Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. 
Hey, Toadop listeners, what's going on? This is Christian Harloff. And I am Mark Ellis from Schmoes No. We are the only video reviewers accredited on Rotten Tomatoes. Look and now, you. Christian, Look somehow we got our own podcast on the Toad Hop Network. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We basically go back and forth. And we have a co-host, Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica. We talk movies. It's just kind of back and forth, regular people talking movies. We start talking movies at tangents into a number of different things. Sometimes yep. we ask for it. Sometimes we don't. We take a lot of calls yep. from everybody in our uh, dutifully named city, Schmoville. Those are our fans. We take a lot of tweets. Yep. So make sure you check out the Schmoes No Movies podcast every Thursday night on the Toad Hop Network from 8 to 10 p.m. Yes, indeed. And if you miss it, go back, watch it on the ToadHopNetwork.com, download it on the audio from iTunes. Because, look, we see movies before a lot of people do, but we can tell you about them. <laughs> if you like them, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Do your own horror there with our oh, press screenings. No, no, While you are at our site or you're on iTunes, yes. please leave a comment and rate the podcast. Make us number one because we need it. We have self-esteem issues. Seen this one before The girls gets away Everybody knows it But no one tries to stop it Cause she barely even knows it But if she could see inside Everything's quiet She waits to tell him who she is Is this
Live from the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It is strongly addictive. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Uh, we're doing really well with like a lot of listeners and followers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like really well. I'm yeah, very happy really about it. Still haven't made a damn dime, but I just sold Paul Williams a watch. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we're going to make our money. Anybody else want to sell anything? <laughs> I have some jackets, but I don't think. What's that? Whatever guest is coming, I should figure it out. If I have, I need somebody with size 12 feet, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm assuming Paul, maybe your brother does, but. Uh, yeah. I size 12 feet because I have a lot of shoes I want to sell. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to make our shoes. money here, folks. We're not going to make, we don't have advertising dollars coming in. Paul Williams is our special Yo. guest here on the Craig Shoemaker Laugh It Off show. Sarah Sweet, Joel Geist, Ileana Rose. Ileana Rose, I must say, I told you off the air. She is, thank you very much. She just handed me cash. I'm, I'm just going to pass this on. Interesting. <laughs> it, it, that was interesting? This was in, yeah, it's an interesting what? exchange. <laughs> Listen, this comes a long way. This comes a he's long... He's tipping Craig this, right now. That's what he's doing. He's handing me cash. And it's, I, this it's is three. The coolest what thing. is this three? It means... I don't know what it means. I'm just put. I'm not even looking at it because that's how friends work. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want to talk about money. He could have handed me a $20 bill and I would have been fine with it. But he's a Can friend. Can I have that back I, then, please? Here, here we go. Let me wow. give you all but a 20. I have to have at least $20 for the gold watch, right? Keep it, keep but, it. Listen, this is better than the old days of, uh, that would be a cocaine exchange. Exactly. We would have met under, the, under a bridge. You know? like, <laughs> under a bridge. Come here, come Things here. certainly have changed. <laughs> yeah. For Paul Williams. Anything about watches, I always think about Woody's great line about it. I noticed, saw you admiring my watch, which I got from my grandfather on his deathbed. He, he sold it to me. It was even delivered like, yeah. like uh, Woody Allen. He sold it to me. He sold it to me. Uh, Paul is uh, <laughs> Paul's one of the top, I'd say, uh, two, three songwriters of all time. I misquoted. I, I, I gave him a song that's not his. You did, well, you but, know who wrote the song you talk about? Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach and Hal David, who was a great friend. Mm -hmm. You know, Hal, Hal was, was the lyricist to the great... For close to you, for close to you, uh, to what the world needs now is love, sweet love, raindrop. I mean, just that was the era. That was the era that Burt Backrack was similar to you. He was popping up on television all the time. You know, he had and better. He, he had better sweaters. You know, he, <laughs> <laughs> he did have a. He had that. He had an array of sweaters. Yeah, Whereas you were coming out in these three-piece polyester exactly, suits. Exactly. Well, Who the hell was dressing you back I then? I needed a lot of pockets to hide stuff in. He, I, <laughs> he, he needed. Uh, Who was your stylist? I I, I can't even believe that you I, Pat, listen Pat, I, Pat McCormick and I bought our clothes at Ed's styling for the grotesque <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked with Ray Charles and at least he has an excuse for the horrible things he was wearing he's blind he had no idea what this guy was dressing him in these powder blue suits you know Ray oh, Charles is yeah. Yeah. he's a blind guy right and I used to open for him and I toured with him and he would wear these horrible suits and I thought to myself somebody has to have an intervention on this a style intervention but Paul Williams could see yeah. I know you had foggy glasses, though. You always wore sunglasses. I did. I wore rose-colored glasses. Was that a was, was that intentional? Uh, I have no idea. I wasn't. You know, somebody was using my body in those days, making choices that I had little or nothing to do with. You know, so you still have rose-colored glasses I on do. right now. Well, you know, well yeah. Now, what's the answer? Is that intentional? Can I have my other glasses, honey? Uh, what, uh, they look good. They look they good. These two have a funny relationship. He I like. Wife, I want to know more about his wife. Too. By the way, she and I go back. Really? 25 years. She was one of the first people to ever employ me in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah? Honest yeah. to God. She used to book these, like, uh, I guess, Mariano, she would find, like, a uh, 
like a Hilton or like a hotel near the airport or whatever, and she'd go, can I have this little portion of your lobby? I'm going to put comedy up here. <laughs> and then she would do a, she'd do a comedy show and, and present this show and hire comedians, up-and-comers like me. Yeah. And who would have known? Who would have? I could have. I could have been Nostradamus and not predicted that these two would be yeah. in, in How wedded matrimony. How long have you guys been married? Seven years. Oh, almost cool. eight years. Almost eight years. We've been together since '03. And, uh, and she's featured also in the movie Still Alive. She is, she is. Of which the director, I believe, did some uh, some false move editing. Well, he, you know, he, made, he made it look like uh, she was. Yeah, what? She made it look like she was, yeah, you know, he, I, I think he had a lot of some issues with, with women that, yeah. that, that, you know, that are passive aggressive. And It was. Yeah, her, yeah. yeah, her face is yeah. so mad right now. What did it make it, what did it make her look like? Oh, like really? Like <laughs> <laughs> she made it. Well, what he did was he picked clips to make her look like she, she was trying to control things. And she was, uh, a, like, one time, she was basically, like, comes in to ask the band in Vegas. They're playing South Point. What would you guys like to eat or something like yeah. that? It was or, like really harmless, but they made it look like she walked in like here comes Yoko Ono to interrupt <laughs> yeah. to interrupt the entire process. Here comes Yoko, yeah. and he tried to make this. That's what he in the in the directing and editing. He said, "Oh, you know, I need some sort of a little villain here. Yeah, you know, like we've got our protagonist. We need the antagonist. So, so, it, lame. so he's like picking these clips like." Who, who's going to walk around smiling all the time in our lives? Well, you know what I mean? Also, when you've had somebody in your face with a camera uh, for like four years, you get to the point yeah. where you go, eventually you get a little cranky. Yeah. That must have been strange, having somebody following you around. And he was next door to him, and you would hear Paul, like, warming up, trying to get the loogies out. He was having a cold, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's charming, isn't it? Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. And isn't it, it charming? It, it takes away from the whole, uh, you know, aura of this... You know, this man who's, it's a night with Paul Williams. That's the way you do it so well. You do it so well. I can't wait to watch this documentary. Let me tell you something. I've seen, I do not watch many things twice. Yeah. I'm going to see it a third time with my wife. I mean, that's how much I like it. And I'm showing it to my son, my, my teen son. How are you showing it? Where can we see it? You can see it on Showtime. You can, it's on demand. It took my place, by the way. Incidentally, it's my coming attitude. Up, uh, it's coming into the regular program in June, uh, January 24th. Okay. It is. So as well, you can also download it at Amazon.com and the like. But the fact is, it's... Essentially, it's it's I think a film about recovery. I think that if there's a message to the mm -hmm. film, it's that you know that that there's hope for the hopeless. And I think you and I are fair examples. Well, I and I think of that, that working. One point I like to make with the recovery thing is there's many people out there are listening and they're saying, "Well, I don't need to recover from booze or drugs. I wasn't doing cocaine, inviting Peter Lawford to Philadelphia because the guy had good coke. I, I can't relate to that." <laughs> so uh, a lot of people don't understand that we're all yeah have issues of addiction, whether it's an addiction to conflict or addiction to anger or an addiction to food or whatever it is, I think that everyone's dealing with something. I think everyone's dealing with and, something. I think the other side of it is that I want people to know that I'm, you know, that I have alcohol in my house. That my, you know, my wife enjoys a drink once in a yeah. while. That my friends, I have friends that drink. There's, there's no soapbox in this. But I will say, if you're having problems with alcohol and and and, and other drugs, call Paul. That you know, yeah, call <laughs> call Craig. <laughs> we no. just pawned it off on each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me give you a number, Paul. Yeah, Let me yeah. see. Let me look it up. Craig is available at. <laughs> But you know what? It's the fact is that we do get to keep the miracle by giving it away. You do pass it forward. We have somebody calling us, by the way. Go this listen. As we said that. Finally, wow. Yeah. Hi. Who's this? Do you have any idea who you're calling? No, you didn't. 
Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so stoked to see that you yeah. can be like sober and still brilliantly creative and funny. That's that's I what I was going to ask. Yeah. I was talking to Ileana about this before the show. A lot of times, well, when I personally stopped everything from the neck up, you know, that affected me from the neck up, I yeah. there was a, a point where I went, "Oh my God!" There's two things went into my mind. I went. I'm not going to be able to be funny or creative again, yeah. and I'm not going to get laid. Yeah, those yeah. were the two. <laughs> I don't want to put them in order, but there was an order. Okay, <laughs> and it was not that order. And it was not that order. And I so great. One out of two is not bad. You're doing okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying. To, I know. I know he's ripping on me right now, as he did when I sit. I put a knee in people's chests. He ripped on me just now, and I'm still. I'm now figuring it out. Which one does he mean? Which one did I achieve? You want to know the truth? You achieved them both. You when I achieved it all, Craig. Look at you are the shoe, the legendary love master. He was about. He came to my special. Isn't that nice? Uh, he and Mariana came to my special for the taping of it. That ended up on Showtime, and now he replaced me on Showtime. It's a terrible cycle of things in life, but. Uh, it's horrible. It's horrible. No, but but the fact is, no, that you know, it, in early sobriety, I think it's tough for all of us. That we, that you know, I, the first thing I did was was asked to write the songs for the Muppet Christmas Carol, and it was like, oh my God, can I do this sober? Well, Were you stuck? Uh, well, you know what was interesting is I'm writing about a guy who's had just had a spiritual awakening named Scrooge, and it was the perfect. <laughs> when you think about it, what a perfect thing to write. And it was also a chance for me to absolutely give it over to my unconscious and to my slash higher power, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. I call him the big amigo, the creative source is the big amigo. And mm -hmm. I said, I sat down to write the very first song. The first song is about Scrooge. And you see his feeds as he comes out of a building. He's walking along and as he goes by the little furry creatures, they seem to get colder. So basically what I did was I said, all right, I'd read the, the, the novel, Dickens' original novel. I read the script. I know what the character's about. I now give it to you, big amigo. If let me know when you've got an idea. And I picked up a, a Lawrence Block novel, a murder mystery, and I started reading the murder mystery. And about two pages in, and I put it down, and I went, "Okay, he's walking. Boom, 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 boom. He's walking. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone." When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. Sounds like, it, I think Les Mis stole this from you. <laughs> it sounds like, Les Mis stole this from you. That's, no, that's, that's the song. I'm ready for Master of the House to come out here. <laughs> so the fact is... And what what I realized was I went, oh, my God, that's not bad. Can you do it again? And the rest of the song came, and it came without my really working at it. And I realized that we have intensely powerful subconscious. The unconscious mm -hmm. is amazing. And you can, and, you know, the, the fact is that when you work really hard at developing, the you know, the comedy that, you, that mm -hmm. is so brilliant, I would be willing to bet the harder you work at it, the harder it comes. But if you play at it, yeah, it comes. You're yeah. not standing on the hose. Well, a lot of times, even with the show, I've told them before. I said, you know, let's all hang out before the show and we just get a general idea of where we're going. The best shows are when you can just clear your mechanism and just allow for the flow. I mean, and even even things like, uh, you know, just in life, everyone doesn't have who's listening. You don't have to be this. You know, songwriter who happens to be in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, as a star on, a, you know, you don't have to have that be the manifestation of your creativity. No, exactly. it could be something as simple as a random act of kindness. Absolutely. If Absolutely. you're responding to that, if you're centered in that, uh, those things happen. And, and, um, 
so and it affects people. You bet. Art affects people, and creativity affects people. Love, which is basically what it is, is really a, 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 a divine and beautiful, deep source of love. You give a little love, and I mean, I hate to quote myself again, but you give a little, <laughs> you give, you give a little love, and it all comes back to you. I mean, that's yeah. the, the essence of, I think, my message and what you're saying here. And incidentally, I am stunned at how quickly you found that <laughs> music. That was brilliant. It's was, a, maybe Joel should, of YouTube. I, I think Joel should follow you around for all of your interviews. <laughs> I think Joel, that's a good job for Joel. I'm gonna he go needs a little money for cataract surgery. <laughs> well, what we're going to do, we're going to go out, we're going to go out and buy a, a, a truck with a loudspeaker on it right away. You know, and he can just follow me follow around for your life. Everywhere you go, I know you're going on Craig Ferguson soon. Yes. You have to have a guy next to you going, let me play that for you. There's a little and he's quick, green. too. Yeah, he can just yeah. search the internet and boom, there's Joel for you. Wow. I think this is yeah. fantastic. I'm not trying to, it's you know, get rid of Mariana here, because yeah. I know that. <laughs> I think they could be a team though. She's in one ear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> he said he said the other with music. I really do. I always tell people that that's one of my favorite Christmas carols. Like I think Thank it's you. such yeah. a brilliant production. Like huh. the fact that there are puppets is like you almost don't even notice. You it's such notice. a good production of yeah. Christmas Carol. And it was lovely because it was Brian Henson. It was Jim's son. It was his first directorial experience, and it mm. was just just great, great to work with him. And Jim had been a huge part of my life, you know, through all those other songs. You know, other, you know, projects. I'll be honest with you. A lot of your songs when I was growing up, I was in the throes of whatever I was in. And didn't appreciate them. And I'll add the Beatles to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I didn't become a Beatles fan or a Pryor or a Carlin until I was able to receive it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I was not into what you were doing. I wasn't even into those geniuses as well. You and probably, now you probably weren't listening to Three Dog Night and the Carpenters and the like. Though no, I was listening, not. but I was sarcastic and cut it out. I, I wasn't get, listening for the core of. And now I hear it. Yeah, nice. and I'm in such a different position in my life. Why well, I, I heard Rainbow Connection. Now let me take you back to I'm a kid. You know, you know, whatever I'm doing, you know, whatever I'm doing to detach from what's going on in my heart. Uh, now I'm here in Rainbow Connection. What do you think I'm going? There's a freaking frog singing this song. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Hey, why are there so many songs about Rainbow? I'm not listening to the lyrics and this beautiful music. Now I hear it. It makes me cry. And the that. different versions Thank that have you. happened from it. Jason Mraz yeah. it does it with Paul. Ah. And yeah. that you should look up, by the way. He's looking it up right now, Joel. It is so freaking beautiful. I have chills talking about oh, it. Wow. Yeah. And you realize the depth of this song that happened to end up with a Muppet movie. Hmm. Now, if you're a kid, you're, like my kid now, yeah, probably yeah, would yeah. respond the same way. We go, what are you talking about? You know, you're, you're right for puppets? Yeah. yeah. And that's, but it is so beautiful. You didn't write it. Did you write it, by the way, specifically for Kermit? I wrote all the songs for the Muppet movie with Kenny Asher, for the, including this one. And yeah. this one was written for that? Ex and it became a... Exactly. Willie Nelson covered it. I mean, so many people have covered this tune. Here it is. Is this Jason Mraz? Why are there oh, so many oh. songs I'm sitting back and listening. about rainbows What's on the other side? Rainbows are visions. That's you. But only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been. Isn't that beautiful? Told 
Obviously, we can't listen to that. <laughs> but, and I want to know, you're listening to that now, Paul, and you're right here. It's very strange you're hearing the guy that's singing it and the guy that wrote it. He's right here. Yeah. A little odd. Yeah. You know, you're not thinking that in Philadelphia watching this, you know, as a little boy. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to be in the studio with the guy listening to his own stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, so what are you thinking when you're listening to that? Do, do you hear something different every time? Do you, uh, are you self-critical at all? Yeah, I think a gym. I think mm-hmm. Jim Henson. You know, I, I remember. You, really? Yeah, because you know, I, I remember we, we all met him. I had I had a house up on Franklin in in, uh, in the Hollywood Hills. We had our first meeting about the Muppet movie. I had done the Muppet show. I met Jim and then I did Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas with him, mm-hmm. which was the thing I wrote words and music. And I met with him about the Muppet movie, and I said I want to bring Kenny Asher in to write the songs with me because he writes beautiful music. My lyrics, his music, it'll be a nice whatever. But, but we met in in my in my den, and this den was a dark, weird little place. Peter Lorre died in my den. I'm very proud. Literally, one of the reasons I bought the house. Literally going, died in the den. Everybody that lived in my house made horror films. Do you know who Peter Lorre is? Peter Lorre was one of the, the most guy famous. Who talks like this, like this. Rick, hide me. He's in he, he's in Casablanca. So, Rick. Orson Welles lived there when he was making Black Magic. Uh, Ida Lupino and Howard Duff when they were doing the. Thin Man series. Everybody that ever wow. that ever made a that lived there did something in horror or mystery. Mm. I moved in and within two months did Phantom of the Paradise with mm. Brian De Palma. So it, like well, that was a continuing. But all of a sudden I've got Jim Henson sitting and the Jerry Jewell, the screenwriter, Frank Oz, who does Miss Piggy and all these. Sure. We're all sitting in my den talking about what are we gonna do? And Jim is like, Well, let's do like a road movie. We'll start out with with Kermit in, in the in the, the swamp. And an agent, uh, which was Dom DeLuise, will roll up to him and say, hey, they're looking for frogs that want to become rich and famous. So he he goes to Hollywood, and along mm-hmm. the way he picks up. It's like a, a Hope and Crosby road picture. Sure. But it's it's. I said to Jim, I said, okay, so Kermit, the first song, we have to see Kermit. He's, you know, what is he doing? He said, he's sitting on a lily pad. I said, yeah, doing what? He said, playing a banjo. Went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you but Kermit is every frog. Kermit is to, yeah. to the world what Jimmy, what Jimmy Stewart was in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. He's every frog. Mm-hmm. And he's got yeah. an inner life. How do you show that? He's got water. He's got air. He's got rainbows. Yeah. Well, the first line of the song tells you he's also got culture. He's been to the movies. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? What's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide. Now we've painted ourselves into a corner because it's a question. And that's where we find the soul of this guy because he doesn't have the answers, but he has the questions. Mm. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong. Wait and see. Someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers. Greg Shoemaker and me. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah, so that's, th- that's how it started, you know. Beautiful. And the great thing about Jim Henson was, you know, walking to the, after the first meetings, walking to the, to the door. I said, you know, Jim, I won't leave you in the dark on this. As I work on the songs, you know, we'll show them to you so you know what we're doing. And he said, oh, that's okay. We'll hear them in the studio when you record them. Hmm. And that kind of freedom, that mm-hmm. kind of creative freedom is, I mean, where do you go to find that today? You couldn't. You know, mm. you couldn't. No, I, it, it, it's a whole different time yeah, now. Yeah. And I, does that frustrate you to, to see the music of today? And uh, oh, I, I, I mean, don't want I'm, to sound like an old bastard. I sound like an old, hey, this, you know, ever since 1984, last one was, you too, they were the only band that's sustainable. Well, that's me. I, I literally say this to my kids. And my day job, as you know, as, you know, as, 
your wonderful producer knows. Yes, ASCAP. Is that I'm president and chairman of the board of ASCAP. So all Tell people what that is. Most people The American don't know. Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. And you see to it that people get paid for their music. 450,000 members. You know, Ooh. they are all essentially small businessmen. I've always said that metaphorically, I am the perfect president for ASCAP. I am a small businessman. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? We're living in a time when in the digital age, there's more music being played on more amazing devices, he said, yeah. holding up his iPhone, mm -hmm. than ever in the history of, of, of music, which is wonderful. And there's this whole kind of a misconception that ASCAP and that, that the copyright world wants to shut down the, 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 the Internet, and it's exactly the opposite. We want all these websites that are playing our music to continue to play, but we want them to do what radio did for years, take a little bit of that advertising money and make sure that the woman who's sitting now, right, right now, there's somewhere there's a woman writing with headphones on so she doesn't wake the baby in the next room trying to make a living as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. She deserves to make a viable living. And, and there are two things that I'm intensely passionate about. One is my recovery, and the mm -hmm. fact that there's hope for the hopeless. And the other thing I'm intensely passionate about is music creators and film creators' rights. The people that work so hard to give you something you could relate to, a song you could dance to with your daughter at her wedding, deserve to be paid. Hmm. How about comedians, for God's sake? For God's sake, come on, get us some money for our jokes. People are playing our jokes like crazy. We don't you know, make a damn dime. Yeah, and they're in such trouble. Got to be selling watches selling for God's sake to your guests. You got there before me. I'm just gonna say, wind up selling your jewelry. It's just so sad. Well, we have to take a break. Uh, Paul, you want to stay with us? Uh, do you have, to, do you have a, a couple of minutes? As long as you want me. Oh, great. Okay, so we'll carry him over to next week because this really is fascinating. <laughs> I love having him. And, and we play music between yeah, and the yeah, commercials, yeah. and it's kind of cool that we'll play your music. I think it's my favorite guest so far. Whoa! Yeah. I can no, tell nice. you're fascinated, Sarah. Yeah. I, I've not seen you like this. Usually she's flirting by now or, or intimidated <laughs> or she can't look at you in the eye. I've never seen you so doe-eyed and fascinated. He's awesome. What I'm really loving about this is because you are of a different generation. All of the things that Paul's referring to, I can relate to because I know the references. But I'm really into that you are, are digging this. I think it's brilliant. I'm going to re-listen to it over and over. I and think it's so good. And you, Sarah, you totally subscribe to Showtime just for Paul. I will. He's our he's our guest today, uh, and he's going to stay with us uh, through the hour. It's Paul Williams, the legendary songwriter, uh, pop icon, and all of that, and then some, and great guy. You can see him in a great documentary called Still Alive. It's on Showtime, and I think you can get it on iTunes and a number of places. Just look it up, Google, and you'll find out where you can see it. It's a really great documentary, but we have our own documentary going on right now. We're documenting it through our podcast. Stay right here. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's happening, Toad Hop listeners? This is Ari Shafir. Jason Tebow. And Sam Tripoli from the Punch Drunk Sports Comedy Podcast. Check us out live every uh, Tuesday from noon to 2 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss it, go back and watch it live on ToadHopNetwork.com or download the audio from iTunes, dummies. While you're there, leave a comment and rate the show. Not Holla at your boy. That. You just say that so, like, it sounds like you're acting. Really? Yeah, it's like, and while you're there, leave a comment. It's like, uh, uh, Okay, and while you're there, man, leave a comment. Tell us how much you like still us. Sounds <laughs> off, it still sounds off, dude. What? Trying to sell me a still Pepsi. How? I don't know. It's just well, how would you do it? Hey, while you're there, leave a comment. Like, if you imagine you were talking to a person, a human. Yeah, while, yeah, you're, while you're there, leave a comment. Great show. That's way better. That's way better. Nailed it. What?
Are you experiencing occasional constipation, fatigue, weight gain, poor circulation, sleepless nights, depression, or lack of concentration? Your health conditions may be related to a toxic colon. Yes, I'm talking about pooping. It's time to detoxify and feel healthy. Miracles of Health offers you a smooth and gentle solution. PuraCleanse, the number one colon cleanser you can count on. Go to miraclesofhealth.com or call 888-495-9864 and get your seven-day free trial of PuraCleanse. All you have to do is pay $4.99 for the shipping. PuraCleanse, your friend for life. Does your car smell like... You need scent balm. Does your house smell like... Get some scent balm. Does the bathroom smell like... Get some scent balm. Go to GetSomeScentBomb.com today for the best air freshener you've ever tried. We are so confident that you will love Scent Bomb that we're giving away a free bottle to the next 12 customers to type in the promo code RADIO at checkout. If you're tired of weak air fresheners, try Scent Bomb. Scent Bomb is a concentrated air freshener, so all you need is just a couple of sprays and the smell will last for days. That's right. You spray it today and you still smell it tomorrow. We guarantee that it's the best air freshener you've ever tried. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com and enter the promo code RADIO at checkout to get your free bottle today. There's nearly 100 fragrances to choose from. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com. That's GetSomeScentBomb. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Okay. Hi, everybody. Do you know Paul Williams is uh, similar to me in this way? We are trying to stay up with the social network, which we do not come from. We come from pay phones, rotary phones. We come from uh, smoke signals. Smoke signals. <laughs> I don't go back that, that <laughs> Passing you. notes in class. I had a. I had this an, is how we I, roll. I had a phone in my car in the seventies. It was the size of a small suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a guaranteed hernia to try to pick it up. Do you remember was, the feeling that you had though? How cool! I had one in the eighties, oh, and yeah, I thought, yeah. oh my god, yeah. I am the coolest ever. Yeah. With this phone, it was on my. With it was the, on the console. The antenna in the back. Yeah. Oh, the the antenna was was more important than the phone because you know. Well, you could you could yeah. fish for marlin yeah. with it. Well, the great thing, <laughs> but the amazing thing about having a phone in your car is when you were talking to yourself, which when you were loaded on cocaine, we all did. <laughs> you could pick up the phone and pretend you were. If somebody spotted you talking, you could pick up the phone and go. Yeah, that's right. But you were, <laughs> but it was it was such a thing where. I think probably one out of uh, 100,000 people had one. Yes. So it made you feel special. It was. It if you was. had that phone in the car, you could make yeah. you know, these impulsive calls, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. we needed to do. Yeah. So, Paul, uh, what I was saying is he would love some followers. Uh, he tweets all the time. And here's how you get it. I am, I am. I am Paul Williams. That's an I am like instant message. I am Paul Williams. And that's a, his Twitter handle. I have 1,583 followers. Well, you watch after our show. Lock that number in. Yes. And I, we're going to see how many people are going to follow you. And I also the Love Master. I'm the Love Master. I follow you. Uh, I know. And I follow you. And uh, the Love Master on Twitter. So you, we, we can tweet amongst one another. There you go. And anyone that has uh, any questions for Paul or wants to speak to Paul, you can speak to him through uh, Twitter. Yeah. He's a legendary songwriter. That you can. Sp that's that's an amazing thing. Is how we do connect with all the people that uh, are into what we do. You know what? It's 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 fantastic, and it's a huge part of of carrying the message to the world these days. You know, yeah. between 
Twitter and Facebook. And Unfortunately, a lot of the carriers uh, are carrying something we don't really want. Well, yeah, what kind of tweeter are you? What are you? What kind of tweets do you do? Inspirational tweets. Inspirational you, tweets, you exactly. You know, uh, things like um, song lyrics, new song lyrics. No, no, my, you know, I have a tendency to, to you know, if if uh, if you know, if the day is looking a little gray, reach for that spiritual box of crayons. That is, you know, would have would have been a tweet, you know. What was in fact? Hold on a second. Let me take a look and see if I can find anything fabulous to share with you. Talk amongst yourselves, <laughs> Are you really going? To, we don't have much more time on this interview. I understand that, but you know. What I understand got, it, but I'm going to take over. I wrote. Uh, Ileana, example, I said manic yeah. Monday. Find a quiet spot. Close your eyes and just breathe. The big amigo is holding you. You are not alone. You know. So if we want spiritual, uh, uplifting, enlightening uh, tweets, I have a number of people I follow, Neil Donald Walsh, mm -hmm. uh, Debbie Ford, and a number of people that, yeah. uh, and some of our former guests, I follow all of them too. But I also it, have things like, ever find an old photo that makes you wonder how your kids ever survived you as a parent? And I've got a photo of me <laughs> with a baby bottle and a cigarette hanging out of my mouth, you know. <laughs> Uh, I've got, you know... Is that uh, you from the past? That was me from the past, exactly. Wow, you yeah. were a lot heavier. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I started using this stuff called Zri. Oh! Here we go! Wait! Listen! You're on going to sound... Hold on, stop, stop. Before <laughs> they think there's an agenda here. Yeah. I will tell you, whatever he's about to say, I have... I, I did not speak to him about this. I will just tell you that I keep getting tweets from him. I turned him on to this stuff, all right? I don't have any giant agenda. They're not our sponsor. They don't have. I would love it if they were. Somebody sponsors, oh for God's sakes, besides selling watches. I <laughs> love this stuff, and I never talk about it on the air. Now, you can talk to me about it, Craig at CraigShoemaker.com. Let me interrupt and tell you a very quick, very quick story. Okay. I go to New York, yeah. where, I, where I hook up with, with Craig Shoemaker, yeah. who has lost about 30 pounds since I've seen him. All yeah. of a sudden, I looked at you, and I went, wow. At which point, I was at a point in my life where I weighed 157, and my son said to me, Dad, you're beginning to look like a, a cookie jar. And he's 5'2", 157. 5'2", yeah. 157, and right. today I weigh 129. The difference is that I found out that this, this amalaki berry is an antioxidant. It's not, it, it does nothing to your appetite. It does nothing. There's no upper in it. But there's something about it when I drink this three ounces of, of Zri in the morning mm -hmm. that it's like I can, I can feel the click of when I'm full. Yeah. And, it's, and all of a sudden, I started doing an hour of exercise every morning. I got rid of the, the carbs. And I weigh 129. You know, I, have, I can see he, parts he of my body. He texted me that I'm in his will were, now. I could see parts of my body that were just a rumor for a lot of <laughs> We're going to go to your wife on that one, true? <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I see, that's, I was talking about this earlier about random acts of kindness and just passing the word on something. Yeah. Where you said to me, how'd you end up like that? Which is the best endorsement ever. I don't okay. have to go up to you and go, hey, you got to try this stuff. Yeah. I said to you, I have no more acid reflux. I have no more Crohn's disease. My knees are completely yeah. healed. And look at my weight. And my mind is balanced. When he puts his knee in your chest, you know, he doesn't hurt <laughs> him anymore. You can't even hear the cracking. You don't even hear me coming. Another uh, uh, couple I turned on to it, they used to call the guy the Tin Man because they could hear him coming because yeah. he was creaking. And they said, you blew it for us. He can sneak up on us now because of the Zri. <laughs> tin Man. Yeah, so this stuff really is good. Yeah, just contact me, Craig at CraigShoemaker.com if you want uh, me to, uh, to tell you about this stuff. It's that really is, great it's, stuff. Yeah, and it's all natural. It's, uh, and I met Deepak, you know. I, Deepak I, I, Chopra, I, yeah. I met Deepak, who is, is a huge it. fan, and the, the guy behind it, and he 
was, I asked him, I said, do you still use it? He said, absolutely. It's just, it's an amazing antioxidant. And it seems to have a magical healing power. I ran into Deepak Chopra, and it wasn't as good as experience as you're just sharing. Maybe I should have written some good songs, yeah, not jokes. I don't think he had a clue who I was, you know. But he oh, was yes, he show. did. Oh, Everyone well, knows who you are yeah, yeah. of a certain age. Oscar, Grammy, and Golden Globe-winning Hall of Fame Zree salesman. Yeah, you won Zree <laughs> salesman. He's now. He's won Oscars, Emmys, everything. And as a matter of fact, he's been nominated seven times for an Oscar. Six and times. Six times and won one. I'll get my stats down. But, you know, I always, I always uh, up well, I the was, stats. You know, I would I'll take them. that seventh, but I have to earn it before you can do it. Yeah, this year you thought maybe it might happen for yeah. uh, Still Alive is the documentary, which uh, I, Sarah can't wait to run home and go find it. The, uh, yeah. the song yeah. was nominated for a Critics' Choice and for a Satellite. It did not make the cut at, uh, at the Oscars. And it's odd, you know, it's... You try not to be invested in that sort of stuff. You know, you try Are you? To live a, well, it's interesting. Did you wake because, up early in the morning with, I did. The, with the announcements? Well, you you know did? What, I, well, I'll tell you what happened. Everybody that handicapped the Oscars says it was going to get nominated. Mm -hmm. And I should have known. You know, the fact is, but as soon as I wasn't nominated, it's like I was all of a sudden back in my body again. I was like, where have you been, Paulie? It was like you get mm. caught up in that. You know, you it's did? like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, I'm going to get a nomination here. It's like it that close to buying a cigar. What? You don't smoke. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we're, we're all, I think that, that to maintain balance, you know, for somebody who, as I say in the, in the film, you know, to be different is difficult. To be to be special is addictive. You know, so mm -hmm. you all of a sudden you find yourself sitting here on you know doing a podcast with Craig Shoemaker. You yeah, there you go. Wait a minute, you kind of need to keep some balance in your life. You know, so yeah, I, I was Hold affected on. by it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Can my insecurity dissect what you just said? <laughs> Well, yeah. He's talking Oscars, but you have to balance it out with an occasional Craig Shoemaker show. No, what I think, let me make it really clear. The point I'm making is that, that it's for, for me to sit down in front of a microphone and talk is a little bit like, for somebody who was addicted to the attention, it's a little bit like just having one little sip of wine. So I have to kind of have a sense of, if I'm here, how can it be to the highest good of all concerned? And it can be to the highest good of all concerned if you and I talk about recovery. Well, you know, by the way, to, to break that down, but I mean, people can cut through it uh, even without hearing about specifically yeah, recovery. Yeah, they can yeah. cut through to the basic, uh, yeah. the, the, the basis of all of it in that spirit. Yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day. Yes. My biggest issue yes. is... You know what I'm going to say is I think you and I broke if you break that down is we want to be heard and we weren't heard. Yeah. Our voices were squashed as yeah. children. Yeah. So we just happen to be artists now to deal with that. But other people it manifests itself in different ways. But I think that's the core of it. Do you believe that as I well? Think, uh, it's, it's like I, I'm a storyteller and you're a storyteller. And I just want people, and, you know, Ileana's tell me before, look, you're long-winded. You could have stopped it with the first sentence. But, I mean, no, I, but I am long-winded, but I think a lot of it has to do with, geez, can somebody hear me? You yeah. know, because th that was put away struggle. at a very early age, like since birth. Struggle. I went, wah, and they went, shut up. Struggle. <laughs> struggle is the mother of art, I mean, yeah. I believe. You know, I, the fact is that, that that because you had the kind of childhood that I assume you did, that because... Mm -hmm. Nobody was listening. You know, you you have a, a, this this whole this palette of emotion and and feelings that there's a world out there of people that have. You know, what what makes you what makes you so successful? And I think what makes me successful as a songwriter is not the difference between you and your audience, but the fact that you're saying things that they that they know. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I watch you talk about being a dad on stage, and I'm laughing my butt off. 
but I'm also totally relating to, to the emotional connectedness of that experience. Mm -hmm. So it's what, you ha what we have in common that makes what you're saying work. And, and you, the brilliance is you see the humor in it. And you give it, you give it to us in a way where I can respond with, with laughter. Yeah, and, yeah. and we all, you know, and there's a cello artist that does that as well. But I, did you ever think to yourself, if you were heard, and if you were acknowledged, would we in this room, all of us in this room, would, be, would we be artists? Would I'd, we be, I'd, what's I'd the answer to that question? Probably be a professional athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you would have gone with it? Because you weren't being affirmed in that. No, 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 no. What, what, do you, have you ever thought, does anyone ever? Yeah, totally. If yeah. you were heard yeah. well, that's a, that's a and seen yeah. and valued, yeah. mm -hmm. what would you have pursued? What would be your, because that to me is the big motivating factor in doing what I do is. You want to hear a, is this, a confession? Is yeah, what, give it to what me. What fascinates me now is, is uh, as my favorite show on television is probably the first 48 where they examine, they, they follow two homicides. And there's something about, about that whole world of a homicide detective or a police psychologist or that, that whole forensic world that is absolutely fascinating to me. Now, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. <laughs> no, no, don't look for a connection. Because thank goodness that no I looked at, at other puzzled yeah, faces yeah. in here. Yeah, I got yeah, that yeah, confirmed yeah. right away. I mean, People walking just, by loudly, by the way, that they didn't away, even understand what you just said. Far away as you can get from the rainbow connection and the world that I'm known for. I'm mm -hmm. looking for the connective tissue to there the premise is. of uh, of this. Ileana, I think, had a question that I was uh, wanting to ask. Ileana's a musician. I, I guess basically part she of she really the, wants to be a homicide detective. My father was. Was he really? There. Oh my. God. See, I knew there was something. And Segway King over here went right to Ileana. <laughs> Speaking of homicides, Ileana has a question. My father was a cop on the force in, in Miami for a long time. Oh, my God. Almost 30 years. And what Undercover, was bomb squad, homicide, narcotics. Everything. Oh, yeah. Scarface was written amazing, about him. Ama amazing, amazing world that fascinates me. You know, and you know, and as somebody who, I mean, I spoke to a graduating class of cops with a with a two gram bottle in my my pocket back in the eighties. You know, <laughs> but I've always just had such a fascination with that world and respect. You know, for 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 it takes the, such the courage women to do. Did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was thinking that when I, th I saw uh, Dear Zero Dark Thirty last night, the courage that it takes to live this life. You know, like people think that it takes balls to be an artist and get up on stage and stuff like that. Oh no. You're in the CIA. <laughs> That's oh beyond yeah. stand-up, believe yeah. me, or, or being a singer or whatever. So, Ileana, I think you had a question about um, the about process. The, the process. Yeah. I was wondering if, if there have ever been, because it's as a songwriter, there are a lot of times where the higher power, the, the consciousness of the world brings you a melody or a lyric sure. or an idea. But have there ever been times where you've been commissioned to write a song and it's work and you just kind of dust off a formula you know it's like okay i'm going to write an intro one six yeah. two five yeah. one yeah. and yeah. now comes the verse and let's go to the five chord you know i i, I was i my box of tools was not was never that together to just be able to go and say <laughs> it's like so i had to be inspired by what i was watching it's like i i think that 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 for me the answer would would be no i think there are times when it was when it wasn't coming and and you know you you 
if you look at the period during my addiction, you'll find there were periods where I wrote endless, endless, endless bits, you know, and was firing up with the cocaine and writing all this brilliant, intelligent lyrics that when I would get a little bit of sleep, I'd look at it and it would make no sense at all. I tell a story about being in Jamaica, staying up really late at seven months of not a drink or, or a toot, trying to stay sober. When I stayed up all night what, writing what I thought was going to be a rock and roll legend. I took my place beside you, girl. I mean, it was brilliant. I got a little sleep. I listened to it the next day, and I realized I had rewritten O Little Town of Bethlehem. <laughs> <laughs> I took my place beside you, girl. O Little Town of Bethlehem. Oh, Jesus. I mean, Jesus. I mean, sorry, Jesus. You don't want to steal from the big guy. But, but I, I have to tell you that at this point in my career, I think that 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 that's, that struggle and all. What I do at this point is is I w will walk away, and then I'll come back to you know like Rumor sent me a, a really beautiful little start of a song she wanted me to look at, and I who Rumor she's a wonderful singer okay. in England, and I, I took a couple passes at it, and I went you know what I'm not writing anything that's as good as what you sent me what you wrote. And it felt great to say that. It felt good to be that free to go, you know what? This song is done. You already did it. So you'll take a pass if, you, if you're forcing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, or, or look at it, go to sleep, go do something else, wash dishes. You know, it, it, I find that if I'm doing something that, is, that will take me as far away from thinking about it as I can get, mm -hmm. my unconscious will keep working on it. So while, while you're thinking about something, it's, you know what, the best example you can give is when somebody's trying to remember the name of a movie or an actor or somebody, they can see the face, you can't remember the name. You think about something else, and while you're thinking about something else, it pops up. You go, oh my God, there it is. That was, and you remember the name or the name of the movie. That's what writing is like for me. That's what the creative process is like. Paul Williams, that was the name I was trying to think of. <laughs> get Damn out, it, that's get right. Out of the way. I, I had to get out of my own yeah. way. Paul Williams. That's so that's our guest. I had to look down. The Pali Lama. The that applies Pali, to so many. The Pali Lama. The Pali Lama is coming to town. Who named you the Pali Lama? I, I like When that. I got sober, well, I think it was Buddy Arnold. I, you know, I, when I first got sober, Buddy Arnold had started, a, uh, it was working as a, a, Buddy Arnold was a great jazz musician and, and, a, and an old junkie and, and sober, and, and he was working at Brotman Hospital, and he, he set aside a bed for musicians, and he started the Musician's Assistance Program, and he said, you know what? Oh, yeah. You ought to go waste you. He said, uh, you, you kind of have a way of, of with your words and all, talking to these addicts and all. You ought to go to UCLA and get your certification as a drug and alcohol counselor. You might not kill anybody, and it might keep you sober. So that's what I did. I, you know, I worked for about three years. When people came to see you as a counselor, yeah. and they had just, you know, not that many years ago, seen you popping up on The Tonight Show 47 times or whatever it was, I mean, are they sitting there going, you look familiar. <laughs> you know, what happens is you walk into the hospital room and I go, hi, my name is Paul and I'm an alcoholic and, and I'm your counselor. And they go, no, you're not. You're little Enos from Smoky and the Bandit. It's <laughs> happening again, you know. It's <laughs> happening again. <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! This is even worse. But, but MAP is is now handled by by Neris and and by Music Cares, and and yeah. it's an amazing organization, the Musicians Assistance Program, mm -hmm. and a lot's helped hundreds and thousands of musicians get sober. It's a great organization. Buddy Arnold started it. I was around for the beginnings of that. It was a great beginning to my own sobriety. Yeah. But Buddy started calling me the Pauli Lama. You know, Adam. Do you, you still know. do you still uh, counsel people? No, I mean, I, 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 do like, I do like you do. I do like you do. I get a lot of mail about recovery and all, but I don't work as a counselor. Right, anymore. right. I work as a no, I want to charge for it. 
was a volunteer. <laughs> I was a volunteer. I'm done giving free. Oh, you were just a volunteer. I was a volunteer. I was, but every morning, three hours at the hospital every morning. Mm -hmm. And then I ran process groups for, at the Musicians Union. So, so tell everybody, uh, uh, the movie basically ends with um, showing who you are today, but it doesn't necessarily show what you're doing today. I know you're doing some live performances at yeah. South Point and so forth. How can they find you? They can find me, well, probably the next time. The, uh, I don't do a lot of pro live performing. I'll be at the, back, the, the South Point on May, on what's Cinco de Mayo. But, you know, well, okay. I'm, there, I'm there the week later. Are you there a week later? I would oh, love fantastic. it if we were working the same town at the same that. time. I love it. But, you know, I just got a call from, you know, we just announced that Guillermo del Toro and I are doing Pan's Labyrinth as a stage musical. So, oh, wow. That's, that's the next big project. You're doing that on. as, uh, you're writing it? We're, I'm writing the lyrics. Gustavo Santaloayo is, is, is writing the music, who wrote the music for Brokeback Mountain and, mm. and uh, how, And how does that work when you, you're, all of a sudden you're collaborating? You've collaborated on almost everything, right? Yeah, well, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of the Muppet stuff, I wrote alone. Uh, I wrote them up and we with Kenny. Yeah, but I wrote a lot of songs with Kenny Asher, a lot of songs with with Roger Nichols. How does the process work? I mean, you you come up with uh, the lyrics and the the general we feel of it. We don't know. Gustavo and I have never sat in the same room together, so it will it will reveal itself to us, you know. But like so we, each person is different the way you work. Roger Nichols and I sat down, and he would he would play my uh, da 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 da, and I would write talking to myself and feeling old, you know, write rainy days and Mondays to his pre-existing melody. I want to write a song with you right well, now. Let's just do it. Okay, here we go. All right, oh, about borderline personality <laughs> disorder. Sing me a little. <laughs> okay, just to bring it just to bring it full circle. Full circle. We right. talk borderline personality disorder. Yeah. They put me in a box, a place I couldn't stay. And I started blaming people all along the way. <laughs> and I am a victim. No more. <laughs> I am a victim no more. I am sober and talk about it all the time, a crashing bore. But I am a victim no more. And I cannot... I all of a sudden became Willie Nelson. <laughs> and I cannot stop... Thanking I'm you <laughs> for my life, it is now anew. Basically, the the answer to your question is is what we just experienced is is what we do. And I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll sit down with someone like John Vesner and I wrote a song. It was a hit for Diamond Rio. How come you're not jotting this down then? <laughs> <laughs> because this because this has been you know for all eternity it's in zeros and ones. They've got it out there now in the universe. But but it's different. I mean, there got there's some people that will you know I, uh, if. If I write a song with with like Jerry Goldsmith and I wrote a couple title songs together, he would send me the music. I would write the the words to it. Uh, there are a lot of guys in Nashville that I just sit in the same room. We stare at the ceiling. We tell each other our stories, and a song comes out of it. With this, we'll have mm -hmm. Guillermo del Toro's script to to uh, Pan's Labyrinth to begin with. Ideas of where the songs are going, and then either either Gustavo will write the music and I'll write words to it, or I'll send him some lyrics, and we'll find our way. But I would imagine like there's a, a there's a thing in uh, Kevin Costner's in this movie, uh, it's like the, a marriage. Uh, the love of the game. It's about baseball, and he has this thing called clear the mechanism, and that's when he shuts out all the fans and all the pressure and everything else, and he just focuses on what's in front of him, yeah. the pitch. Yeah. He has this pitch and a catcher. It doesn't matter who's at bat, doesn't matter what they're yelling, he calls clear the mechanism. And we have to do that as artists. But sometimes it must be more difficult when your mechanism is Barbara Streisand's pressure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to write a song for Barbara Streisand. Well, she's this is the legend of all legends and a diva. 
And I would be, I, I, I don't know what would come out of me. I'd feel judged. <laughs> Just now, look, listen, darling. I, yeah, I mean, how did that work? Well, you, you know, first of all, we had seven. Evergreen, weeks. right? I, I wrote Evergreen with it, but I wrote Kenny, I, Kenny Ash and I wrote almost all the songs for the movie. We wrote for the movie you know, for the Stars Born. Stars yeah, Born. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson. So the first yeah. thing Barbara did is play me this beautiful melody, and I went, okay, that's it. There's our love theme and all. But I set it aside because that was one of the later things to be shot. I had to, the first things we were going to shoot was all the Chris Christopherson stuff. Everybody said, weren't you nervous about writing for Streisand? But yeah, but... <laughs> For me to sit and play a song that Chris Christopherson is going to sing, I'm I'm showing his song to the guy that wrote me and Bobby McGee. I'm showing I'm mm. singing a song that I just wrote for him to sing for the guy that wrote Sunday Morning Coming Down. I mean, this is my cleanest, putting on my cleanest, dirty shirt. So he's more song. intimidating than Barbara Streisand, who's singing other people's songs. Well, they're equally intimidating. Mean, it's like, you know, I'm an e equally intimidated provider. I mean, I, I was intimidated <laughs> by both of them. But you would never have known it because I was, you know, in my disease then. Yeah. You know? But in seven weeks, Kenny Asher and I wrote, I think, eight songs that wound up in the movie. And Evergreen, the, the, the song, won Best Song at Oscar. Won the Oscar, the Here Grammy, it is. and the Golden Globe. Yeah. Is this it? Yeah, it's it. Now, you tell me, she came up and she submits this to she you. She says, the melody. She did? On, on a guitar, piano? On guitar. Barbara Streisand on guitar? This Plays is it. really cool. As an easy chair. Well, that's not Barbara. Uh, this? Maybe that's Paul. Fresh as the Oh, it's, it's Kermit. Right. It's Kermit. <laughs> Love. That's all right. Hope there's an easy right. chair. Hello, Miss Piggy. Yeah, I'd love to have heard Kermit sing it, you know. <laughs> I'd love to hear anybody sing it. She has this melody, and she starts playing it, so she created that? So is just, she the co-writer of the song? She's the co-writer, I yeah. didn't know that. We, well, we on guitar? Out. I can't even imagine her with the nails on yeah. that guitar. She was... Uh, <laughs> She Barbara Streisand on a guitar. Charming. It just doesn't match. You know, she was just learning to play guitar, so she's finding the chords, and she's going, la, da, 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 dee, da, da. And I'm going, oh, my God, because that voice is singing this gorgeous melody. Yeah. And I, she put it on tape. I took it home. And, and she's just going, huh? she's not putting the, any wrote, words to it. No, I, I wrote the first two, it's interesting, the first two lines, I actually wrote the other way. I wrote, love fresh as the morning air, love soft as an easy chair. And as I was getting ready to leave on the road, right before she recorded it, I called her and I said, you know what, you should flip those first two lines, it sings better. Love soft as an easy chair, love fresh as the morning air. I said, we'll probably get laughed out of town for starting a song with a, a line about a chair. But, <laughs> but I think it's better. And she said, I do too. And, and she hung up and I went, well, thank you. I'm glad you like it. You know, so. But this is hers, I think. Oh, yeah. that's her, yeah. I mean, she is one of the most gifted singers ever. Yeah. I mean, she could sing... Soft as an she could sing Mein Kampf, <laughs> and I'd be very interested. I mean, she just has that, it, again, she clears the mechanism and just allows this, I think that's what a lot of art is, is, is basically you're taking all of the judgment and all of those things that prevent us from being authentic and being real and being present and being in the now, and you're just pushing it away, and if you're in the, your good art, you're allowing it to be free. Yeah, you're just yeah. you're freeing something that's within us anyway. Everyone. How do you yeah. do that? How do you allow it to be free? How do you clear that mechanism that you're talking about? A lot of it. Trust. Yeah, Trust. and a lot of it. We talk about that with our guided lapidation. Mm -hmm. Let's take Paul through one. 
Yeah. That would be fun. You've never done this before. This no. is something that uh, Mr. Shoemaker created. Okay. It's called the guided lapidation, Paul. Yes. Now, I know that you don't have many obstacles in your life right now. That's what I'm imagining, right? This yeah. is as good as your life has ever been. You're with your beautiful right. wife. You get along great. Your life is just fantastic. fantastic. You're, you're in a movie. You're, you're still writing. You're still active. And you've lost 27 pounds <laughs> on Zri. I'll start you off, and maybe you can, maybe you can do this after, after I do it. Okay, uh, a guided lapidation. This is um, what you do to be present and be in the now and get rid of these obstacles that prevent us from being our true self. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's what, what's in the way, what's present. You want to start it off, no, sir? You, you want, you oh, me go? Should I do it based on last week's show? No. Okay, no, don't we do it. We'll have to talk about that next week. Oh, we'll do talk about uh, personality disorder. A borderline personality yeah. disorder? But make okay. it like raw and true and hilarious. Really? Yeah, okay. Like go uh, real with it. Okay, here I we go. I love when you do that. <laughs> All right, what you do is take a deep breath, everybody through your nose, and then let out a ha. Ah. And that gets the that gets the juices flowing. Get your zri flowing. Get your get in your zri. Ah ha 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 ha. You just let out a little giggle. It starts with that, okay? <laughs> just like turning your engine on. That's it. <laughs> you can even do a hee hee or a ha ha. <laughs> and it becomes contagious, just like laughter is contagious. And you just, and now the other step to this is, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You don't need a joke. I did think of a joke earlier. It was really stupid. Joel said he has cataracts. He said, I got a cataract. I go, I got a Rinkin Continental. <laughs> it was a bad Asian joke. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and direct your mail to Craig Shoemaker. I'm married to an Asian, I can say it. <laughs> anyway, so what we do is we speak out loud whatever is whatever your pathology is, whatever your illness, whatever your obstacles are, while you're doing the laughter. I'll give you an example how it works. <laughs> My ex-wife, she she won't stop accusing me <laughs> of destroying our children. <laughs> <laughs> she says he's in the nurse's office because <laughs> we made we made him call his stepmother mama. <laughs> she said, he's destroyed. <laughs> she says I force him <laughs> like I have him in shackles. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's how it works. <laughs> you know what? I I, I have no obstacles. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Make it about that. All of a sudden, I'm on this show and, and obstacles. And suddenly, I've got no, no obstacles. They just put up a sign that says two minutes. It's like I've got two minutes to find an obstacle. And I got no obstacles. I've got God in my life. It screws up everything. It's just ruined everything. <laughs> Rigorous honesty, it's a bitch, isn't it? Huh? Rigorous honesty, it's just... That's what it is. Yeah. You just be honest about it. And, and, and what it does for me is, uh, okay, so that's really big for me. I just got these emails, you know, you're this, yeah. you know that. So then when I just laughed about it, I go, it's just silly. It's just all life is an illusion yeah. anyway. Yeah. And who cares? And that's what it does is the guided lapidation, it puts you into that new energetic space. Yeah. 
which is fresh and clean and it's not filled with resentment and worries and fears and doubts and all of that kind of stuff. And it kind of answers Sarah's question earlier is, how do you clear out the judgment that yeah. stops us from being ourself, mm -hmm. stops us from our creative process? It literally impedes the flow that's within us. And what you can do, if you need something as a tool or something to guide you through this, you, if you're wearing a really beautiful watch, you look down at that watch <laughs> and you say, and you say, you know what, as these hands are going around and clicking away a second, a minute, an hour, I know that I have a life that is blessed with friends like Craig Shoemaker, and it makes that my, my life more fun, richer, and, uh, and I'm grateful for every minute of it. Thank you. Can I do a, a lapidation? <laughs> he was looking at the watch I sold him because I'm broke. <laughs> I have a guest come in. I'm, I'm pouring watches on him. He's handing me cash out of my computer screen. <laughs> I filed for bankruptcy last week! Oh, you did it! I swear to God! Did you really? <laughs> I have creditors calling me more than my mother! <laughs> so I sent them a Christmas card! <laughs> Dear bank! <laughs> Hope you have a Merry Christmas! <laughs> John, Jonathan Winter used to send his Christmas cards to Occupant. I love them. <laughs> So that was my little clear out. Cool. That's a laughidation. I recommend it to everyone. I hope that you use our show as your way of dealing with whatever obstacles you're going through. What a treat, Greg. Thank you. I had a great time for both of I had such a good time. And you are so what we're looking for as a guest on our show. Are there any clones of you out there? Oh, we're looking. We're looking right now. We're, <laughs> okay. We'd love to have another, another Paul Williams in here. But there is one only unique Paul Williams watch the movie watch the movie it's called still alive follow him on twitter at i am paul williams on twitter facebook i know you're not as into that as much no, anymore. no a little bit but not a little bit. No, but at twitter I'm, I'm yeah i defriended twitter. you i don't even yeah. care anymore yeah, yeah. If you're not going to have any, if you're not going to put anything into it, I'm not going to have you as a friend. I need other ones who are fresh. And Ileana, we have to listen for Ileana's amazing music, too. So. Yes. IlianaRose.com if you want to hear some amazing music. I can't wait for you, Paul. And I love to pass things on. I can't wait to hear your reaction. You're going to call me and say, thank you for Ileana Craig. And I'm grateful. She is she, brilliant. And she's an ASCAP writer. We're grateful for that. There you go. Thank President you. of ASCAP, singer, songwriter, legendary, the legendary Paul Williams, our guest today. Next week, who the hell do we have? I don't know. Follow us on Facebook. We would love it if you started following us on Facebook. We're trying to accumulate people so that we can communicate with you and tell you our numbers and tell you who's coming in and, and stuff like that and even entertain you or inspire you, whatever we do to you. If we piss you off, good stuff. Right, we'll see you here next week. Network, radio worth watching. Live, live from the Toad Hop Network studios in Hollywood. This, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. Enhances the senses, opens your mind. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching.